to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Colin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're gonna go on a killing spree to shop and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Very, very special treat for you today. We're talking to the one and only Mr. Chris Murphy of Sloan. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Hey, what are you talking about? Thank you. I've seen your list of guests. I'm happy to get in there. This is my cred grab. <laughs> this is this is nothing. You know, it's funny because I went down to the bank to try to uh, deposit some of this indie cred, and they said, "Sir, this is not yeah. legal tender." But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know the. Does everyone know the expression? I guess it would be from the Bible, but it, and the, my take on it is, man cannot live on cred alone. Yeah. It's true. It does. It's hard to put food on your family, and it's harder to do yes. so with cred. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm really happy to have you, man. This this is really cool. I'm actually a really big Sloan fan. Like, if you look at the uh, different uh, people that have been on over the years, it, you know, th- there's certainly a good representation of uh, you know angry dude rock, rah, rah, et cetera. I think Sloan's fantastic, and I think it's awesome that. I just had Patrick Tape Fleming from Gloom Balloon and the Poison Control Center on recently, and he's the one that introduced me to you guys. And 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 you get this, he was a there were a band on tour, and I took him to Amoeba Records in 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 Berkeley, as you know, so everyone can do some record shopping. And he point he got um he got two Sloan CDs and said, "You will love this, and if you don't, I will personally refund your money." And I was like, I was so blown away that like a band on tour, a band like a small band on tour, let's be clear, mm-hmm. would uh, would believe in a band that much to be like, wow, I will listen to this band. Are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to listen to it. Uh, and I loved it. It was great. And that was uh, yeah. Between the Bridges and Navy Blues. And like, I, you probably could not have planned a better introduction for me as some, some type of a rocker to what you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. Those come with a money-back guarantee. A lot of our <laughs> records don't. So that's a... So wait a minute. So those records came out in 98 and 99. So what year are you talking about? Was it at the time or was it later? No, this is a lot later. This is uh, this is probably about 10 years ago, maybe something along those lines. So I knew of you okay. guys, and I think I'd maybe like heard a song or something, but you were always on my list of, oh, yeah, I need to remember to dive deeper into that discography because even back then uh anytime That's where you... we remain <laughs> for a and, lot of people well i kind of feel like it's almost like there, there's so much slow and it's like the fall or something like where do you start with the fall 
right? And not yeah, that you guys sound like the fall, but there's just so much the fall and so much of it's great, but oh my God, where to start? Yes. Well, I always wanted to be a band that had uh, a giant body of work and that, you know, had eras, like defined eras, or not that we're trying to do that, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, that you can say, oh, then there's this era, then there's their mid-period. Our mid-period keeps changing. It used to be our mid-period was 2000, and now our mid-period was whatever 15 years ago is, 2005. But, um, you know, our band has been going since 91. And so, and, and you know, anyway, so yes, I, we have a giant body of work and it's like a, it's a lot to, to chew, chew off. And it's like, oh, these, that, that's, it's like reading an encyclopedia or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> do you start anyway. with A and go all the way to Z or do you start for the good stuff and the M's? Right. So I would say the records that you're talking about, Navy Blues nine, from 98 and Between, between the, the Bridges. Bridges. Which is 99, right? Those are, well, the thing is like Between the Bridges is the beginning of our, the beginning of the end or the like our commercial dip. You know, we we also have kind of two careers, like one in Canada where we're on the radio and we have like, you know, distributed by major labels and stuff like that. We had videos and not to mention in Canada, there's a whole grant system for getting getting money for videos and stuff like that. And and uh, Canadian content regulations that would have it so like, OK, and that was the Foo Fighters. And then coming up is Sloan and the Red Hot Chili <laughs> right. Peppers as if as if we're like hanging with these millionaires or playing Wembley. But, you know, we go to the States and we don't enjoy any of that. You know, where we we started, we had our first two records come out on Geffen. And that was, you know, it was big news in Canada and huge news in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where we're from. Right. And it was like, what? Are you kidding me? So, but you can't, you know, so we were given the tools to climb the mountain and never climb the mountain. You know what I mean? It was like, it was exciting to be signed, but we, you know, we didn't really. So, it was, but, and then... Uh, Anyway, so I guess I'm sort of already into my life story. So, yeah, no, no, uh, that's so fine. Because I think it's – so first of all, I think it's it's awesome. Sorry, yeah. you, I'm sorry that I thought you, you still lived in Halifax. I'm just – I'm – it's been years. Well, you why, live in Toronto. I don't why, know why. why. I don't know because you, you, you were – I should know that. I should, but the thing is, that this show is literally just me doing everything. I'm sitting here like with the broom, you know, dusting up afterwards. So I don't, I don't feel that bad about it. But I think I think Sloan is is very interesting, and it, and it's very interesting that you are you came up in that Canadian system because the Canadian system where it you kind of artists get a chance they get they get a chance to and and that's just it right it's a chance it's a chance to like be heard, but if you don't have the goods, it's not it's not going to connect you know you can have all the chances it in the amounts world. to the same thing it's like a lot of shit rises to the top in the grant system. The same as, you know, the in the United States where, I don't know, it's a free market or whatever. Like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of crap rises to the top in the States too. It does. <laughs> but, and, and, and a lot of stuff, you know, in Canada, there are, you know, Nickelback is from Canada. <laughs> you know, they didn't really, they don't need to lean on Canadian content regulations. And then maybe to, to discuss, to, to just say what that is, to, you know, in an effort to sort of protect Canadian culture, um, you know, the Canadian government has made it so that broadcasters have to play a certain percentage, and I don't remember what it is, and it's always changing, but they have to play a certain percentage of Canadian music in order to have their broadcast license. So they don't want to play it. You know, when you're, when you're the rock station in Canada, you're psyched that Nickelback exists because it satisfies all that Canadian content 
stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, yeah, yeah, they yeah, eat yeah. up, they eat up all the Canadian content. There are a lot of, you can Canadian... get the empty rage of Nickelback to uh, fill your quota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there are a lot of Canadian groups that fill that are internationally huge from Nickelback to, um, I don't know, Shania Twain, like lots of, lots of people. I mean, those are two, hilariously disparate examples <laughs> brian adams yeah where's where's that collaboration record right <laughs> well the other thing is the other thing is to 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 uh to qualify for canadian content and i don't mean to make this the crux of my no no stay here this is people find but, this really interesting that don't know the system so please i would, I would love to hear from you well friend. anyway i i don't even know the system but you have to have a it's not only that you were born in canada but you know then there's like where was it who's the producer what you know who's who is the record company and all that kind of stuff. So someone like Brian Adams, who was born in Canada, some of his records didn't qualify for Canadian content. Right. And so, so it would be, you know, he came out against Canadian content that it's hurting. It's like, you know, he would say like shit rises to the top. I can name a lot of Canadian groups. You wouldn't know, but they're big here or, you know, maybe, and they're terrible (laughs) uh, because they're, they're, they're propped up by yeah. that system yeah. and it's like, and it's not real economics. It's like, yeah, we're going to give you all this money to make a video. By the way, nobody's interested in your band, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's no going, demand but, for this whatsoever, but you yeah. have the, the budget to do this. But I can't shit on it because I've benefited from it, but I've seen, I've seen it work in, uh, for, for terrible acts and you know, whatever it it doesn't really have anything to do with anything except for, in Canada, we're perceived as being this big act, and in the states, we are just like an indie indie rock band or whatever. Right, and, and we so- play in clubs. And as we head south, we get smaller and smaller. Like, you know, there are some border towns where they got Detroit and Seattle. Oh, right. You know, be like, oh, they're playing a big club. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I was thinking for some reason I was thinking the U.S. Mexico border. I'm like, of course not. You're a Canadian band doesn't make it. Oh yeah, sense. no, we never made it past there. B- big in Calexico, you know. I don't, you know, what yeah. do I know? Oh. Uh, well, but I think it's interesting that because it's almost like a Sparks or something. Like Sparks, brilliant pop band, so great. It put out so many good records, but you know, in U.S. it's just kind of pearls before swine. But you go to England and like, oh, you know, Sparks, you know, uh, come on to my yeah. house, like so, like, and it's like they're they're treated very reverentially and, and their people are really into the art and you never quite know how stuff's going to hit but i think it's interesting that like for, i would say for sloan it's an example of the system working and again i'm, I'm going to double back on the fact that i don't think it would have worked if the songs weren't there well perhaps not i, I mean that's a weird position i guess you're a weird to yeah, talk about exactly but, you don't need to answer that I mean, chris if you don't want to i mean i am <laughs> i'm an advocate of the band and i think that you know i am i come from the maritime provinces i was raised catholic yeah. like i have i have a self-deprecating nature but on the other hand i think that sloan is one of the great bands and we're making a giant body of work that can't be denied like even though people might not give a shit about us in the present my you know i'm waiting for a a apology issue in mojo is like why didn't we write about these guys (laughs) right exactly the the big mia culpa if you will yeah yeah what i think yeah i sometimes i sometimes say we're not making records for you we're making records for rock journalists in the future well because it's for it's for the people that it's for and the people that it's for deeply appreciate and they appreciate when you like that it's 
like it's smart too. You know, there there are references, rock and roll references in the lyrics, but it's like done in a clever way and not in like a like, oh, they're doing that. They're like referencing like it's 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 something that it's it's mana for for people that like work in record stores or I guess that's not really a vocation well, but, anymore. But it, it's that it's that model for music. Yes, but, people and, music. and I am and I am from that time. And I would say that we are. Um, I, I don't mean to speak for those other guys, but, um, you know, I am a fan of music more than I'm an artist. Like I just, I'm just sort of like, what would I want my favorite band to do? And, you know, we are also an experiment in democracy where we are four people that run the, the thing together and we split the money four ways, no matter what, no matter who writes what. And, you know, there, I've often said, like, there's room for resentment in that setup, you know, if you <laughs> think that you're doing, if you're, if you're carrying all the weight, yeah. but it's, you know, but otherwise you're in the police or Nirvana and one guy is kind of responsible for doing everything. And then he sort of suggests, maybe I should be compensated for that. And then that's the end of the band. Yeah. And like then, then can, the whole, the whole thing falls apart. And so what you're doing is you're, yeah. you're, you're trading short-term comfort or maybe talent recognition for long-term sustainability. And I find that fascinating because most bands don't even think about it in terms of like, oh, what is my career going to look like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Am I still going to be able to do this thing that gives me joy and that seems to connect with people? And what does that look like? Rather than just like, oh, yeah, it sure would be cool to get, you know, 75% <laughs> for, for this song that I wrote, but that's not the way we're going to do it. But that's all we thought about when we started. And I don't mean to pretend that we knew how to sustain a career or anything like that, but we wanted to found, we wanted to, the band, the band founded in fairness and in a way that would, that would uh, make us last as long. Like every decision we make has always been for me, what would make us last the longest? You know, do you want to do this? We want to play this show. It's sponsored by a beer company. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, and, and we had a manager who would always give us sort of like comical false choices like, hey, do you want to do this uh, show? Uh, you know, you get $20,000 if you play this sponsored show or you can get $3,500 for this. You know, do you want to play the volleyball? You want to be the halftime at this volleyball event? I was like, no. Okay. Or you can you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, yeah. False dichotomy. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. But, you know, we've done lots of stuff that I'm embarrassed of. But we – but I've, I feel like we've kept all of the, the regrettable stuff off of the records. We didn't have to write. We didn't, we've only just done whatever we wanted to do. The only, the only people's bullshit that I've had to put up with is just the other guys in the band. Right. And that's, that's enough. Like, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like a marriage to three I, other people. Right. So, I mean, that's, a yeah, lot like of... <laughs> I think, that, I think that we're a really, I think that we're a real, a really successful, uh, democracy, a really successful, uh, asymmetrical balance where not everybody does the same amount of work, but, but I, I can think about it in a way that I feel it doesn't make me bitter. Like I'm happy about everything. Well, I think it's fascinating though, because like, that's not the kind of thing that people write news articles and stuff about. But if you're talking about like the larger picture of what makes a band a band, I think that's fascinating. And honestly, the only other band I could think of, that did or does, depending on which tense you use, is like maybe Fugazi. Uh, yeah. And it's it's something so simple, but I think that I think we've all been trained for those of us that are that are music fans by this like 
behind the music industrial complex that like a band has to have like a certain arc you know there's like the oh that so-and-so goes to rehab and then like you know there's the like there's this ridiculous right. like story that people try to put a uh, square pegs and around holes for and what i think is so awesome about what sloan does is that you guys just don't do any of that. And like you, you do what you do. And it seems like with such quiet authority or loud authority that it, it connects with people and resonates with people because it's very honest. And again, it wouldn't work if the songs weren't good too, but like it, it's, it's, it's something that like with a Fugazi, I think that like the ethics get talked about too much. Right. But with Sloan, I don't feel like it gets yes. talked about it much. Right. And I think that, I think that the Fugazi guys would get, we're getting tired of talking about their ethics. You know, they're tired of talking about being vegan or whatever, or, or ch- charging no more than $6 or, you know, and it's also, it's a curse to do that. Cause they maybe sometimes they want to go, can we just do this thing that makes us a lot of money? It's like, well, you know, our whole rep is based on not doing that. Anyway, whatever. I, nothing about Fugazi factors into my life story in that I, I went to DC in 87 and knocked on Ian MacKay's door and he answered the door and he was super cool to me. And I, I don't know if Fugazi was happening then in the summer of 87, maybe they were, but I didn't know. Then I went the next year, did the same thing. And I saw Fugazi that year and blew my mind. Uh, so I was all up into their thing for a couple of years. Like I, I loved Ian MacKay and he's coming and on tomorrow wanted. actually is a weird coincidence, which is, Oh, well, he's just like, I mean, whatever. (laughs) I'll give him your best. He's my hero, but he's my hero, basically. But, uh, you know, musically, we've we've dabbled. We've done some, like, hardcore covers and stuff like that. And, you know, I, but, you know, our music, you know, I would just, you know, circling back to a couple things you said before. You were talking about, the thing is, a lot of your guests, you were saying, there are examples of moderate success, you know, like they're like, whether it's, um, I, I don't know what the economics are for a band like Red Cross, but like every in my mind, they've done everything right, everything cool and ethical, and they're cool. They have a cool little body of work. I know in your interview with Stephen, you talked about how you thought it would have been they had like they have eight records or something, and we have thirteen, right, or twelve <laughs> rather, and uh, and they've been around since eighty one or whatever. But you know, they took time off. We toured with Red Cross and started in when 97. they were like tw- what, eleven or twelve or something. Eleven, How you gonna, and, yeah. You got to exactly. have a head start if you're starting that young. You know, I mean. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love, I love, we love them too. Like they were, and they actually came to Halifax. Fugazi came to Halifax, but I didn't live there anymore. Anyway, I have too much to talk to you about. But just to contextualize my my own band, we are, uh, we got a break. In the wake of Nirvana, when the when the music industry changed and everybody came looking for people who were into punk rock but maybe knew how to put songs together and stuff like that. Anyway, we fit that bill. In Canada, we were in Canada. There's always there's often like a in Canada like a kind of like a a Canadian version of an American story, and we kind of became we we kind of had a, a Nirvana story kind of put upon us because we were from Halifax. We were not from a major center. Um, you know, we loved Nirvana as well, yeah. but you know, we were more kind of copying on our first record, My Bloody Valentine and British shoegaze stuff. But I also like the Nirvana guys. Like I like, I loved Black Flag and and, and American hardcore. Um, so we were kind of, and we were kind of ready to go. 
like in, we were starting to record in September 91, which was basically when everybody came looking for. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say just like, like right, right as the gold rush started. Yeah, so much, like we so. were like, yeah, exactly. So we benefited big time from all of that stuff. And then basically as soon when it was time to make our second record, we were already pretty over alternative music. It was clear like how many pretenders were got into the club that didn't belong and arguably you could you know if you're Thurston Moore like we would probably be seen as one of those like who are these guys like <laughs> right <laughs> but but you know we love them and you know we're at the altar of Sonic Youth and all that stuff but um and then and then we really wanted to get out of the sort of like uh, alt alt music jail yeah. or whatever and so we our second record is yeah. real a real sort of pop record where our references were more like Fleetwood Mac and Plastic Ono Band and and uh, more kind of mannered stuff that was uh, our less our first record was uh, you know scrappy and noisy and all that kind of. I mean, stuff. it's not like AAA or anything. Like it's 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 you know. No, it's I don't still think like, so. That's the one with what I hate. My generation coax me like. And there's some rockers yes. in there, but they're not like punk rockers. They're not grunge. They're not I, grungy now. I agree. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but the the pavement record that came out that year was also kind of. I don't think that, you know, it was also kind of a pop record yeah. too. Although I wouldn't listen to any of it. I wouldn't listen to music. I was like, oh, I don't want to be accused of copying. I couldn't listen to pavement or any of that kind of stuff. I was terrified. Can, can you can you back up a little bit though and uh, just quickly talk about Underwhelmed, which kind of seems like it's a, a song within the the Sloan pantheon that has sort of endured through the ages. It's a good song too. But... Yeah. Well, Underwhelmed um, owes to Nirvana as well in that. So when we first recorded it, it's a song – well, it it's it it came it, it's it's a song from the time when I had a journal full of poems, which I do not. I no longer am sitting in coffee shops doing that. You know, I have kids and I have no time. I have lots of music and no words. I'm like, I got to fill this one with music. This one's going to be good, but like, I mean, I got to fill it with words. But back then, it was just like I have all these poems, man. I'm gonna. So that song, underwhelmed, was just this kind of poem, or you know, didn't have music attached to it, and I. And Andrew and I were together, Andrew Scott from the band, and we we're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta put music on this. And the song that I feel like I was playing is "Political Song" from Michael Jackson to sing by the Minutemen. The Minutemen, yeah, I don't know yeah, if of you course. Know that one? Uh, yeah, so it's yes, the I'm same familiar. song. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, it's that's what "Underwhelmed" is. Political oh. song from Michael Jackson to sing. And uh, okay, wow, and I, then, I'm, not, I'm gonna listen so, to that very differently now. Okay. And then when we recorded it. The first time in September 91, when we were getting ready for people to come find us, uh, it was kind of like a cramps kind of thing. You still there? I, I am, yeah. Sorry, I needed to dismiss sorry. something. My bad. <laughs> the first version of it was kind of like a, like a cramps, kind of slow floor tom. And then, and then we got signed to Geffen, which is big news, um, which I could taffy pull into a half hour story, but whatever. But, uh, and, um, and they were like, oh yeah, well, we basically got signed because Underwhelmed was like a, they thought that it would be a commercial hit. And so we ended up, re we were so bored of it by the time, like, <laughs> right. we were, our record, Cause, we Because people are just finding it. out about it, like, you know, yeah, you've got this other recording, you're, you're just, people are just finding out about it, and you're like, oh, that one? Okay. Uh, it's like, is that going on the record? I guess that's, is that the reason you were signed? Oh, okay. But anyway, we re-recorded it. We re-recorded it, and it, and then so the other ripoff is it's basically the it's it's based on aneurysm by 
Nirvana. Do you know the song Aneurysm? I, I know it well. Yeah, I'm a. I'm a I got. So I bought it just down. aside the day it came out. So yeah, I, I know. So it, it starts out. So that that whole build up in Underwhelmed is just a total rip on Aneurysm. Right. Uh, which was which was new at the time, like which was just out, like it was the B side yeah. of Smells Like Teen Spirit or whatever. It, it hadn't but, yet uh, in, entered the pantheon of the rock nerd, uh, you know, necessarily as as being like, oh well, it's one of their best songs, and it's like a B side, and you know, it's, that, that uh, legend it's had favorite, not grown. It's my favorite one of all of them. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So underwhelmed is, it's uh, I like doing it still. Like it's four minutes forty. Like it's excruciatingly long. It's two songs long. <laughs> And it's only three chords long, so it's fine. But I just I would never. The thing is, it's it's based on the words. So I was like, I'm only halfway done. So yeah. I got I have this much more to say. I would never do that now. I would make I would make a song construction that's two and a half minutes, and then I would pepper it with a few words and then get out of there. Excise it out instead of being like, well, I got another page and a half here. I guess we gotta. Yeah, it's like, but I also feel all these things. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and furthermore, I also feel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Moreover, so, so do you so I don't know to, what else to say about it. No, no. But, I was I was just gonna say. We, do you do you have to like for a song like that? Do you have to like give it a break for a while to even like like it again? Like what? what was, yeah, that's one of those. It's what, yeah. For years we didn't play it, and then we you know, like any band that lasts forever. But oh, the other thing I was gonna say, you were talking about. Fugazi or like people who kind of split the things like, I mean, R.E.M. I think R.E.M. Someone, is, so, R.E.M. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That was, I was, I was going to make that note earlier, but I thought we moved away from the topics. So. And, and I you. think, I think you too as well. Like, I think, I think Adam Clayton is a multimillionaire <laughs> for some reason, even though he can, <laughs> the, know, the luckiest can guy in rock and roll. Yeah. Barely play bass. <laughs> no, he's fine. But, uh, <laughs> coming up next week, Adam Clayton from you too. Yeah. I loved I loved you too. Like that you too was my stepping stone from from rush to punk. I was like they're kind of punk. Anyway. I, I I do I do I quite like I mean if you there there are earlier U2 songs where it's like listen to the guitar. It's almost like Andy Gill from like Gang of Four on some of the stuff that the Edge is doing. Like it's it's like they're I they're think, more they're an interesting band. They're just I think nobody nobody dares to reference U2 at this point. Like if you're yeah, like it means something Interpol totally it's yeah. like if you're Interpol, you're like, yeah, man, we're just like early U2. Everybody be like, boo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, I, I loved you early U2. I understand what's cloying about them and all that kind of stuff. The thing, you know, the thing that, that the, their mistake was they kept going and they didn't die. I mean, it's the same thing with me. You know, when you make a 12th record, it's like, Jesus, are these guys, won't these guys shut up? I love their, I love their second, third and fourth and fifth record. But do you expect me to listen to this twelfth record? Like that's a that's a lot of responsibility <laughs> for a fan. Well, and that's and it's not the first time I've heard you express that, but I think that's really interesting because there is, I feel more of that now because of the total instant availability of all music throughout all time as well. That it's anything that comes out isn't just based against what that artist has done before, but it's kind of based against all of music. So if you're an artist that is prolific or that, you know, continues going, there almost is that justify your existence attitude with some people, but a lot of people don't think that way at all. And they're like, Oh cool. No new Sloan record. Awesome. 
Right. Well, the thing is, I'm one of those people who is like, <laughs> would you guys knock it off? Yeah. Guys, it's enough. But, but now I've now I'm in this situation where I'm like, do I have to watch season 30 of The Simpsons? Because I expect them to. I'm expecting people to keep up with me. But, right. To practice uh, what you preach, you have to. Uh, yeah, like, exactly. I'm watching it's The like, Walking Dead even after like all joy has left yeah. this show as well as any creative viability. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Do I have to listen to Voodoo Lounge? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess it would have been Steel Wheels back in the day, but yeah. <laughs> the thing is, Steel Wheels Steel is like Wheels. modern stones. Steel Wheels, and it's like, yeah, is actually not. And terrible. that's like '88. It's <laughs> exactly. like 1988. It's so long ago. <laughs> but the Stones, Stones are a good example. It's like, well, do you just become like a nostalgia act? Right. Yeah. Or or do you continue doing being creatively viable? I mean, they ACDC is cranking out another record. It's like, yeah, Malcolm's gone, and it's like, uh, okay, yeah. but you know, whatever they want to, screw I, it. No one's forcing me to like have an opinion on it. They should be done. <laughs> <laughs> Going to Chris Murphy, you're done. <laughs> well, well, how do you have I mean, ACDC without Malcolm? Is what I gotta say. But whatever. Well, okay. I mean, but I mean, it's like, where do you? draw the line like how do you have it without bon scott yeah how do you have it without phil rudd like phil rudd came back and i gotta say i know it's amazing because remember he got he got in uh he got in trouble because he he got in trouble for attempted murder (laughs) he hired a hitman as you do as you do yeah Yeah. one of the lads doing as the lads do (laughs) what well we just he's back guys wasn't it about wasn't it about his solo album like like something to do with like it was something like straight out of like an indie movie or something. Where you're like, well, like, no, like he's man, basically okay. I love, I love ACDC. I love Phil Rudd's drumming, but he's just like the simplest boneheaded thing in a, in the most boneheaded yeah. act in the world. Like, and he had a solo. My joke is like he was like he was like wasn't the wasn't he trying to like kill someone who didn't promote his solo album? Anyway, we were joking. He's like, what's on his solo album? It's like track one. <laughs> Track one, kick drum. Yeah. Track two, snare. Track three, rack tom. <laughs> here, here's here's a here's a drum track with no fills, like every other thing he's ever exactly. done. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, kick ass, but yeah. you better he's, have some other elements on there. Yeah, one one would hope that there's you know I don't yeah. know throwing a flute or something. Yeah. You know, anyway, I don't know what my point was. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, ACDC. Sorry. I mean, without Malcolm, I mean, it's just I understand the compu- being compelled to keep going, and Angus is. He's a machine, like, go for it, I guess. But anyway, but another example, say, maybe not as known to your listeners or whatever, but say a group like Rush, who I loved as a teenager. So I came in and loved them from like 81 to 83 and then sort of stopped loving them, always continued to love them just because. And I didn't really follow them. And I actually thought their music got whack, but... um, (laughs) But I got to hand it to them because they didn't, they weren't just a nostalgia act. Like they, they made new records and they, they changed their sound and like alienated a lot of people. So I would say that my own band, for example, except for the first record, which is different, where we were basically trying to copy, we were trying to be of the times. We were a local band basically just copying international acts. Like we never thought we would play outside of Halifax. But anyway, from, from our second record on, I would say that we're the same band. Like it's, not that, well, I kind of think that every song is between our second record and our 12th is interchangeable. It could be, I kind of think that we're, we have the same palette, kind of, 
but um, uh, what's my point? But but as you go on, you know, you compete with yourself in right. in the set in the set list. It's like how long do you want to play? Like yeah. there are a lot of pe- people are here because they want to see, you know, ten songs at least from the '90s, and we have a new record. But but we defiantly, like when we put our twelfth record, we defiantly played ten new songs. Like that's that's face punch. You know, like people are like, are you fucking kidding me? But but we don't think that you know we don't have a jump we don't have jumping jack flash in our in our set sure but you know we have some you know they're the equivalent but um anyway you're you're just comp- competing with yourself right as you add as you add to the thing and you got to make it interesting and, for yourself as well and 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 there are other bands like a perfect example i saw a mud honey show this must be like 5 or 6 years ago and they played like touch me i'm sick like third song in and a bunch of drunk people like yeah. kind of got up and left and then they played what would be the record that was about to come out and was just songs off of that and it yeah. killed. And I was like, if I was just seeing this band and knew nothing about Mud Honey, I'd be like, this band is great. And I felt sorry for yeah. the people that like, you know, were up, oh, heard the song go on to here, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> but there is that uh, attitude, yeah. right? You know, like well, I went attitude. To, I went to see Guided by Voices about a year ago and um and I'm a fan, but I, you know, I you know, from B thousand through the four or five records after that that yeah. came out that year. Um, <laughs> right, that, that was just uh, January. <laughs> yeah, so like I, I kind of kept up for a while, and then I didn't keep up anymore. But I went to see them, and it was an interesting experience for someone. And I know that I'm dealing with people who love a certain part of our career and didn't keep up. But when I went to see Got It by Voices, uh, I, I didn't know a lot of it but I liked all of it. So I was kind of happy in my heart to know that it's possible to go. So you know what you're there, you know you're there to see the band that you like. Even if even if you're coming back into the fold and you're like, you know what, I had kids and stuff, like I haven't been to see a show in 10 years. Yeah. These guys have 12 records, are you kidding me? I just know the third and fourth one or whatever. Yeah. I just really but want to I hear Tractor Ray man. That's all I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, but anyway, I had, I had a legitimately good time, so as, the fan, I was, I was happy because I play in a group like that that continues to put out music, not as prolific or, I mean, uh, you know, who 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 is really like, yeah. <laughs> but but then, uh, but then also there's there's I think you brought up an important point with Rush, which is an incredible sentence to say in this show, but that especially Rush with, is the punk Rush is the coolest punkest band in, from followed, Canada ever. They followed their own. Stop. Yes, you know they, they did they exactly bought their what they own wanted freedom. to do. Yeah. They bought their own freedom by doing what they want to do. Like there is nothing punker than that. And they looked like shit, and they didn't care. <laughs> they like they looked. They didn't care, <laughs> and like, and they didn't. You know, Getty wore a Devo pin, but he didn't brag about being into Devo. Yeah. Like he was just like, and they're funny as hell. Yeah. Like again, I don't know everything in their catalog, but I think that they are. I think they're the bet. They're the number one band from Canada ever. Sloan number two. Discuss. <laughs> so, so, and I think, so I think it's interesting that I, I'm actually trying to think who would be the third one now. But uh, God, no speak, means no. no. Oh yeah, well, definitely <laughs> no means no. Uh, yeah. I would say no means no over DOA. DOA is great, but uh, the I said that. 
the um are you fighting with me the, no the the idea that uh that that a band can like if they have a certain amount if they hit at a certain level and make records that are so good like an Iggy Pop for instance an Iggy Pop dude that guy Rob Howard Fun House like oh my god like so yeah he made Butt Town who cares man like it's it's mm-hmm. it's freaking Iggy it doesn't diminish the fact that he's Iggy freaking Pop and yep. there there's that kind of like I don't know Rubicon that that an artist crosses where you buy a certain amount of goodwill with folks who are like, oh, yeah, what are they up to? Cool, I'll check it out. And like, even if it doesn't necessarily hit, it's sort of like, cool, they're doing that. And then there can be bands that come out with like late period great records where like this record is better than anyone gives it credit for. Devo, for instance, something for everybody. That record's 10 years old, I think almost to the day. And it's, I mean, it's up there with like freedom of choice and like, mm-hmm. are we not men? And like to this day, I still don't know that many people that like listen to it other than hardcore Devo fans. And it's like, even with then it's like, they mastered it like a modern record. So it's like brick wall mastered. And like, there's all these like right. things for the nerds and for their fans. And, and Sloan, not that you're doing exactly that, but I think Sloan kind of does the same kind of stuff that you're, you're, you're making music for yourselves, but you're also making it for who it's for. And if it happens to connect on a bigger level, that's cool. But it's almost like, Whatever's going on in the band, you kind of hear that you guys just like doing it. You like doing this. Yeah. You like writing songs and being a band and putting out records, and that's great. Well, we joke that, you know, well, why are you guys still together? Well, sometimes either you're making so much money or you just like you like hanging out together or, like, people demand it. <laughs> and in spite of none of those things, in spite of none of those things being the case, we do it anyway. <laughs> But uh, nope, 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 nope. There's a little bit of like, what else do you want to do? Like, I always wanted to be a band. It's my dream. We definitely do it for ourselves. We do things on the cheap. You know, there's no one plying us with money saying we need more records. Like, we pay for it and we make it and we get people that help us manufacture it or whatever. And uh, we're just music fans and we're like, what else do we like? Like, you know, I, I would say that for me, I'm not that adventurous and I'm not researching what's the newest, coolest thing. And, uh, and you know, even though I was like into hardcore in the 80s, my tastes are mostly the Beatles and the Kinks and like, yeah. you know, A-list stuff. You know, you know, I know about Devo. Like I know a bunch of Devo songs that I love, but like I didn't buy the record you're talking about. I didn't own any of their records growing up. I didn't own, I only, I only owned a couple records as a kid. Like I didn't have any money. Like Jay Ferguson in Sloan is a real musicologist. And he, I met him when we were about 18 and he turned me on to a lot of stuff. Like he, he knows a lot about, I mean, I know a lot about the Beatles. Basically I'm an expert, but, uh, but he knows a lot of, he's really into, really into Prince. He's really into, The Bee Gees, he's really into sparks and like all kinds of, you know, he knows everything. You know, I I, it's, I, I realize we, we start talking about Twice Removed. I actually do want to talk about that record a little bit. I know we're kind of dancing all over the place here, but uh, anybody okay, that's well, ever heard yeah. this show, this is pretty much what this show is, you know. It's all right. Free, free balling. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like, again, from an outside perspective, that, and you alluded to it, too, that it's sort of like that's kind of where you start to find your voice uh, as, as a band. Yeah. Right? 
So how do you yeah, decide what so, goes on on the record? Because that's the other thing with the like the everyone writing songs and stuff like that. Like, how do you decide? Yeah. Like, what is that process like? Do you like? Is, is there like a like a bingo ball? Is it like the lottery by Shirley Jackson? Like, what's <laughs> lottery? The one where they where they stone people? Yeah, <laughs> except for instead of getting stoned, <laughs> so to speak, you get your record on the right. uh, album. Well, we um, well when we started when we we were not very long a band uh, we had all been in bands prior but we were slow and started in the beginning of 91 and by mid 92 we were signed to geffen records and and we had you know we had only ever played really in halifax nova scotia like we yeah. were one of the best bands in halifax and guess what that's good for like <laughs> everyone sucks not that's not true we had a great music scene but like you know yeah but, it's, but um it, it, it's you're a big fish in a small pond exactly yeah so and um but when we were signed to Geffen, there was a big fight about, I think our A&R guy really wanted me to be the main guy. And we were fighting it. Oh, we like, oh, so like you would be like the Kurt Cobain type of dude, where it's like you're the front man and like it's... A lot guys. of people make that con- that comparison. <laughs> we're both geniuses. Um, yeah, so I would be... Yeah, it's just easier to market the yeah. thing. So, so we had... So Chris Cornell. We made a video. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. We made a video. Yeah. Um, my other joke about say maybe it's a bad taste because he's dead. But like, if I had the body, if I had a, if I had an awesome body, I would I'd be shirtless right now. But luckily for you, I uh, my shirt I I don't have a terrible body. My shirt is on forever. But um, yeah, so they wanted. It didn't matter that it's me, but they wanted they want they wanted me. They wanted one of us to be the main person. And I I wrote most of the songs on the first record. And I encouraged everyone to write songs. And I, it was, you know, it was kind of my decision, decision to make to share everything because I wanted to be, I had been in bands where I wasn't the main guy. And when that band broke up, I didn't care. So I wanted everyone to want the band to keep going. And so I was like, whatever, I'm investing in these people. Like everybody there's, can write. There's but- stakes involved when people are invested in it. Like when, when people, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and they say, you know, and as an aside, like they, some people say like, I'm the type of person who can't do math. It's like, well, everybody can do math if you are encouraged to try, or if you keep up, like if you don't get left behind or whatever, like everybody can write. If you, if, if someone takes you seriously or helps you do it the first time or, you know what I mean? Like who can't write a song? Like, I mean, maybe people can't, but anyway, everybody, we were, you want to itemize the list for a second, uh, Everyone knew how to play guitar and, and could do it, and had everybody did have writing credits on the first record. But I had the most, and I was the most gregarious and the most, uh, you know, easygoing and comfortable talking or whatever. So, but I, I but call that argued, role the uh, the human ambassador role is is what I call that, by the way. Right. Well, and then the other the other another. So, well, I was like the Paul McCartney character when I was going to say <clears throat> further to something else you were saying about when oh when you when you last forever you can't have your mistakes held against the thing that oh iggy we're talking about iggy yeah. but to me like the ultimate example is the beatles where one of them died young and one of them continues to make mistakes in in, in the and it's right. like ah uh, he wasn't as cool as the guy who's dead it's like well that's not fair yeah. you know you, and how do you know john lennon be- wouldn't make his version of the fireman you know like it's like you know let, exactly. him, let him do whatever he's having a good time let him do what he wants did you and, write helter skelter no you didn't no, and John Lennon was a selfish asshole. Yeah. Anyway, but... I love him, but also very true, yeah. Yeah, but um, 
Um, everybody shits on McCartney. He's great. But anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, the guy from Geffen, who's, you know, I, I, it's not like I can just, corporations get described as like Geffen was saying this. So I was like, you know, it was a guy at Geffen, a guy we liked, a guy who who was interested in our opinion too. Like, I don't mean to speak to them as a, mon- you know, as a monolith. We met a lot of people when we, when we were with Geffen. They were all cool. But like, you know, they're all trying to, sell the whole record you know what i mean like they were some big fish and in that pond but um they they thought that i should be the main guy but i was insistent that we we share and then um and then by the time the second record came we demoed extensively and i definitely had enough songs to fill the whole record with my songs uh but i would just wanted everyone to contribute and i always uh, kind of wrote the most of everybody and when we do b-sides and stuff like that it was usually my song and somebody else's you know so i, I i'm the i'm the quantity king i'm the, i'm in charge of quantity <laughs> <laughs> the king of quantity and sloan yes and then i mean if you think about the investment in everybody being a writer like i win because a the band is still intact and everybody else is gone all of our peers are gone um, and most of my, when I'm talking about peers, I mean like bands you you wouldn't even know of, like all every all these like. Do you know who Eric's Trip is? Who would probably be the I, biggest I, band that I'm talking about? I actually do know who Eric's Trip is, but I I used to work at a record store, so of course I do. But right. yeah, like I mean I, I get I get what you mean though that like your your the the bands that were your contemporaries around then it's sort of like generally speaking not around anymore. Whereas yes, you guys are still kicking we, and doing your thing. I'm, I'm sort of saying it's because we were founded in fairness. And uh, I was going to say that, like, it came back. Patrick, who was kind of like the last guy to join the band, it's his songs that have generated the most money for the band. So in terms of like an investment, like, I, I came out on top. I'm glad I made the investment saying, let's all keep our own songs. And then he would be, he would have more money than I would. I, I wouldn't care, really, because it's, it's uh, whatever. But... Well, I'm and glad also, that the, it's the rising tide lifts all boats too, right? I mean, like, every, yes, like the band yes. gets the credit for like having like a great freaking song, and th- there's nothing wrong with that at all. That, that's exactly that's kind of awesome, even. And it also because we split it, like when we do collaborate, uh, collaboration was more of the case in the early days, just because we hung out more and jammed and stuff like that. Right. But but if you're like taking someone's idea, uh, when you know that it doesn't affect your cut or anything it's like you take this idea it would be better for the song which we all split equally like it's just a better it's a better setup for collaboration you, as you, you know inve- it's obvious but. yeah yeah you're, you're invested in everybody succeeding and so it, rather than yes. being like oh whatever i'm just gonna wait for my turn to do my songs you're like i have a thing that might go with that that would you know would really make this cool in this certain way like everyone's invested in the success of the larger unit. yes and and, and the person stuff. who and the and the person whose song is so great that everybody wants to make even better, they're not saying I don't like your idea because that means I have to cut you in. Right. You know what I mean? Like right, right, right. you be open to it, except for your ego, and then but but the ego is real, and nobody wants to. Nobody cares about my ideas. It doesn't matter. But uh, <laughs> it makes it like a communitarian effort almost. Uh, yes. Right. Anyway, I I think I'm really proud of the band. There's a lot of the. You know, I I could theoretically dislike three quarters of the material we make, and I don't. Um, you know, there's some songs that I think are not as good as others, and you know, I 
sorry. So back to your question, how do you decide? For the, right, right, for the first for, for, for the first record, I yeah, think I I think sure. I had seven or eight songs. Then on the second record, I had five songs. Then the third record, I had four songs. Then the, the fourth, fourth record, I had four songs, but it meant we had to add a thirteenth song. And then by the fifth record, between the bridges, yeah. your favorite, yeah. um, I was down to th- my jam. <laughs> I was down to three songs, but by by our fifth record, we had reached complete equilibrium where everybody was writing. Uh, and everybody took the same amount of real estate on the record. And that was theoretically what we were going to do heretofore. But there are just some instances where Andrew had a baby and didn't have any songs, but he still makes a quarter of the money and that kind of thing. Well, but it's something that it, it seems interesting that it it seems like there we almost this friendly competition that you know you don't you don't want to let anyone else down but it's going to make you like work a little harder because you're like oh man like i mean especially like i feel like andrew has like some of the like the sleeper like oh my god that's one of the that's one of the best like where did you freaking come up with that dude like <laughs> right so andrew is is the drummer but he also so in the in the course of when we play a show i also play drums so yeah. i go play drums for andrew but um but he's the best guitar player in the band. Like he's a fantastic guitar player. <laughs> right. So every time, every time I, when I write a song, I play the, I play like the rhythm, and Andrew plays lead. Yeah. And when when he play when he writes a, when he records a song he plays everything. He doesn't even let me play bass. <laughs> so it's just whatever. It wasn't like that in the beginning, but that's just the way it ended up. <laughs> but then I don't play the Talk bass live. Talk <laughs> It's Jay, it's Jay who has to play his bass parts because I'm playing the drums. Right, right. Because obviously you you want to you want it's a rock song. You want to have drums with it. And and also like I gotta say, I think you have an interesting drumming style too. And it's it's a very um, you know it, it's it's different. And I think Andrew's actually one of the greatest uh, unsung. Andrew's rock one of drummers. the greatest. He's, yeah, he's he's world class. Like he's really good. Like I think that Dave Grohl is great and all that stuff. But I think that. Andrew has a musicality and a sophistication yeah. that is just like, you know, Dave Grohl is untouchably good. And, and Andrew started, you know, when we made our first record, he, Andrew had only been playing like literally less than two years. Like he learned all of that as a, as an older, like in his twenties. Wow. And, uh, but, and he got really good and he was basically doing Dave Grohl, he had the giant, you know, yeah. floor, <laughs> mounted <laughs> floor, Tom, like, right. mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and like, yeah, the big beast then, drums with the big thuds, the thud buckets. Yeah. The band, the band that we really, that I saw that we really stole from and changed our sound between our second and third record was Supergrass. Oh, we, sure. I saw Supergrass in 1995 in Boston um, at the Middle East upstairs. And, um, and I thought their drummer was fantastic, that guy Danny. And I really, so, if you listen to the if twice removed, we're trying to make less kind of grungified record, but um, but Andrew is still Dave Grohl to me. He's playing more uh, whatever, less less outrageously loud like Nirvana. But then on the third record, I saw I saw uh, Supergrass made all the demos for the record. Andrew moved away, moved to Toronto. We were still in in, in Halifax. I made all the demos for. One chord to another, doing Danny from Supergrass, who's doing Keith Moon. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, because because you're yeah exactly you're going with like what all the, the you know the crazy yeah. fills and yeah. like and uh... and feels like 
before the wine. So you're like, boom, yeah, the, the boom, frantic, boom, yeah, yeah, exactly. boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, and, and, and Andrew plays with the elbows are always like, oh, like but, um, but I, I did all those demos and then Andrew kind of copied me, but he does it so much better because he's so strong and so capable. And then he'd recorded, when we recorded our third record, Andrew was moved, lived away. So he was down for Christmas visiting his parents and we set up a four track cassette recorder and four mics and recorded all of his, we recorded a little drum set in the practice space and that's the drums on one chord to another. It's nice. all just like four track cassette. And then we brought that to, then Andrew went back to Toronto and the three of us brought it to a studio and output the drums onto the tape and just overdubbed on top of that. And so that record really sounds kind of 60s boxy it, drums. It, it, it totally has that 60s drum sound, but not in a way that necessarily sounds like slavish to that. It just has that, it yeah. has that vibe. It has that like, um, you know, uh, early who Beatles-esque kind of like, uh, yeah, it's got it's got the sound and it makes it it makes the songs that you know, the more raucous numbers like really pop, but then it also gives like uh, that that same energy to like the more uh, low key numbers also. And it's 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 interesting. So it was more of like like a functional thing almost for how it was you just recorded cheaper. it. Cheaper. Okay. Well, we were no long we were no longer on Geffen and we didn't have any money and we had we basically actually broke up the band at the end of 94 and we were dormant. And then we were running a little record label called Murder Records, yeah. and um, and we were we thought about putting out a, a, a posthumous record. We do, we weren't fighting. We just weren't, you know. We just didn't really want to, you know. We were kind of anyway. I was mad at Andrew for moving. In my mind, he was like fucking up my chance to make something of myself. I was like, dude, why are you do-? like? There are these local bands here. They're getting really good, and we continue to suck because you, you know, you come, you fly in to rehearse like once every four months. We suck. And he was just more into his to his girlfriend, who is now his wife. So I don't really have an official complaint anymore. But I was mad at the time. <laughs> but uh, but we all ended up going up to Toronto with tail between our legs, like by ninety seven, ninety eight kind of thing. But um, uh, what was my point? So the recording but, uh, for that was 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 more financial necessity as as much as anything. Yeah, else. we just we were just going in on weekends and you know spending our own money and you know it probably cost us about eight grand or something like that. But it was our most commercially successful record. It sold like eighty thousand copies in Canada. Like did really well. I mean, the, I mean, like the vibe on like a song like G turns to D. It's it's like it wouldn't necessarily if it was some big glossy production, it wouldn't necessarily hit with that same immediacy. So it, it, yeah. it seems like it worked very well. And we were we were also we also as I mentioned we were also we loved Guided by Voices that would record yeah. solely on four track but we we upped the fidelity you know we did the drums that way mostly because a lot of '90s recordings that didn't have any kind of budget they they suffered and sounded so terrible yeah. um, so we wanted to like if we don't have the budget I don't want it to sound cheap if we're it's the drums usually that 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 sound the shittiest or the biggest giveaway. That you have no money, so let's <laughs> let's let's. Do the drums sound like uh, like you know flapping pancakes, or do they sound like drums? Yeah. yeah. So let's let's <laughs> turn it into a character thing, like like it's like yeah. something that that we can control. And the guy that we went in, we went into some guy's studio, and he was like, "When we do the credits, you have to say that I didn't record these drums." Like he was so mad. <laughs> he was he was bummed out by it. He was he was like yes. He was like <laughs> he prided prided himself on recording drums, and he we brought in this mess. <laughs> but, you know, and we. You know, I was the recording engineer, so it's like, yeah. 
you know, track one, all they all they were all fifty sevens, and they all sounded the exact. Every track sounded the exact same. <laughs> yeah. <there's> been... <laughs> Well, and, and and you got this is so this is like what ninety five ninety six around around that uh, neighborhood. Yeah, we were recording it, and yeah, we Andrew came down for Christmas ninety five to do all those drums, and then we started in January ninety six. Yeah, but then, you know, it worked. I mean, I consider great. Yeah, I, great. I, I consider the good in everyone like one of the great first songs on a record. Too. Yeah, I think it's 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 when somebody says what's your favorite Sloan song, I always say that one because it's it's a minute fifty eight. Right, exactly. It's like it's so <laughs> it, it does everything you it, everything that like you needed to do in like such a small amount of time. Yeah, it's basically it's the music I love. It's the the other thing that Patrick did. You know, Jay and I kind of formed the band. Jay and I had been in the band before, so we were kind of like this unified vote. And we still kind of run the band in a way, like the United but, um, Nations Security Council. Like you have the <laughs> yes, well, all the all the boring administrative stuff. Like we do that. So. But um, but we, you know, if we without someone like Patrick, we would have just kind of been a retro band, like a re- let's make like a sort of like Oasis or you know whatever. Not I don't know, but um, but pra- pra- Patrick dragged us into. Like I had, like he was more into. I always say ACDC and stuff like that, but like yeah, he was into, he's like, really he into like heavy rock and like almost like metal. I think even right. Like he was he's into something. he's into Judas Priest, but yeah. he's but he also really loves like Killing Joke and yeah. like he's not just like he lo- he loved Love and Rockets. He loved a lot of like post punk stuff, but but yeah, in the context of Sloan, like he's kind of he's more muscular than we would have been. So the Good and Everyone, for example, it's got a big, wide bend Ace Freely guitar part. That when he was doing it, Jay and I were basically like, "Can I talk to you for a second? Like, uh, we can't, we can't let this guy do this. Like, are you, like, <laughs> yeah, like, run away with this. <laughs> like, like twi- twice removed, twice removed. Like, we really kind of locked Patrick down. Like, it's a pretty, it's more precious. Like, it's more kind of twee. Uh, you restrained know. is what I would say, but I, I see where you're yeah, restrained yeah. and and then with with and so like like our by our third record, one chord to another, like Patrick really. We, as you know, when I said Patrick was the new guy, he's like Andrew's born in '67, Jay and I were born in '68, then Patrick's born in '69. So Patrick was the young guy, and um, and kind of was just like, yeah, I'll come and play. When he joined the band, he was the bass player, and then again, wow. just to bend over backwards for everyone, I was like, I'll play bass if it, if you'd have more fun playing guitar, because I'm into contorting and making everyone happy except myself. <laughs> Moral, it doesn't matter, but. Uh, but Patrick really came, like, he really took ownership. He really felt like it was his band by then. And he really was like, I want it to go like this. I want it to be heavier. And and so, you know, in a, we had to sort of let go and let him do that. It probably wouldn't have been like that if we, anyway, and we probably wouldn't have survived if we had just been kind of like a twee 60s band. Like Patrick made us, like, my first love was Kiss. So, like, I love rock music and dumb dumb music and i love the sweet and sweet is so good yeah yeah like they're my favorite like that's my thing but um but i think you can hear elements in that of what sloan does but it isn't necessarily uh overtly worshipful of that like it's sort of like you're taking what you like from it and like putting sure i mean but and also and also but i'm also dealing with andrew who he did andrew now just wants to be bob dylan and i never liked bob dylan i always thought it was so boring 
I, I understand what's great about it, but I just wanted to be in a, you know, I like McCartney. I love Lennon McCartney. You can't talk about them separately, but like, I'm more like McCartney. I'm more into beauty than truth. Like I, I find the, the Lennon solo stuff boring to listen to. I mean, I loved Plastic on a Band. I anyway, mean, I like mean, Cold Turkey and stuff. I mean, there's some jams. I love that. I love. No, that's a stupid thing to say. But anyway, I, I get where you're going. I, uh, I get what you're going. I love. I love production. Like Lennon, in solo years, like he kind of eschewed production, and but I love production. And Jay especially loves production. Like he's really can be quite mannered and not rocking. But you know, Jay's in my band, and Patrick's in my band. Like, and we're still here. Like it's. Uh, Anyway, I think it's just a testament to trusting each other and putting up with each other's shit. It's really like an exercise in democracy that I think there's lots of frustration, but I think it was worth doing. Yeah. And it and continues it, to be worth doing. And again, it's, it's interesting that, you know, on that record, I still feel like even aside from just like the rocking nature or whatever, it still brought out the best of everyone. I mean, like autobiography is a, a great tune. Like someone actually uh, on Twitter <laughs> just when I announced the show said, don't shave too high. You'll regret it later. Like, it's like that song, that song's got like four or five phrases. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And like, that's something where there's some people that, you know, they don't even listen to lyrics at all. Or like, maybe they right. like, you know, uh, that's a, you know, like that's a, that's the, there's a bathroom on the right folks where it's like, what, why do you, that's not, there's a bad moon on oh, the I rise see. is the lyric, yeah. you know, right. <laughs> but like, it, right. I, I, I've, like I've heard the, it said that. Oh, I was going to say, I, I like the, the, the lyricism. I think again, that comes back to the being the music for people that really like music. Like there, there's a lot to dig into if that, if that is your thing. So sorry. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yes. Well, I mean, I've heard it said, and I don't disagree necessarily that the le the least important thing is what you say. And the most important thing is how you say it. And it applies to, Iggy or whatever, like, not right. I want something. I want yeah. something. Like, who no cares? Like, stu <laughs> <Yeah>. stupid. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he's great. Like, yeah. of course. But, it sounds like that dude is um, definitely not having any fun right now, and he's telling you all about it, you know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. But he also had he had no lyrics before yeah. five minutes before that. Which, like, he's just, like, making it up. Which is astounding, but... That's one of the yeah. great things about rock actually. Stars. I don't. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's true. But anyway, I don't. Uh, I don't ascribe to that. I hate writing lyrics, but I don't. I don't want to just. I, I want them to be okay. Now, to be honest, so so the song autobiography. I had that for our first record, but I just didn't didn't mm. think that it worked. Like like I was already as sophisticated as autobiography by our when I was making when we made the first record, but. Like I've, there's recordings, like videos of us playing it before our first record came out, but we just sort of went, there were too many chords to teach these guys. These guys are morons. <laughs> but, um, but I also like, as you say, like there's so, there are lots of jokes and clever yeah. stuff in it and I'm proud of it. However, I read, um, so another contemporary of ours in Canada is a group called The Odds. Would they be on your radar at all? The I, Odds? I do not know The Odds, no. They're kind of my age, maybe a little bit older. Um, I didn't know them at the time. To me, they were not rocking enough. They were, they're very much like Sloan or very, you know, if you take a song like Autobiography, like Beatlesque, Power yeah, Pop, yeah, yeah, total, the, you know, like right the Posies, whatever. Yeah. But like, I always thought they, anyway, I didn't know much about them. I've met them in later years and they're my favorite people. I love them. But um, 
but they had a reviewer say of their record that it reminded them, now you might not get this reference, but I'll explain it. They reminded them, their new record reminded them of the Arch Deluxe, which was a McDonald's hamburger that had a Kaiser bun on it. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. The inference being, yeah, guys, it's a hamburger. Yeah, it's a hamburger, like, and you're, you're, you're dressing it up like this is some great, like, fine yeah, cuisine, he, and you're, you're eating at McDonald's. Yes. And so that came out after our record that had autobiography on it, which I felt was kind of like a Kaiser bun on a burger. So when we made when we made nine Navy Blues, I was like, we have to dumb it down a little bit here. Yeah. Like, I just want to, I, I, you know, I was embarrassed to be as rockin' as the good and everyone on our third record. And then we really embraced Kiss and Sweet and stuff like that on our fourth record where we have Money City Maniacs, which was which is the song that has made us the most money about all the songs or it's most known or whatever. And um, but that's full on. That's that is a, a full on a rip record. of some ACDCs. It's an ACDC song like that. I forget which song it is. Livewire or something. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. A complete but rip. It's it's it's. If you know if you know that ACDC song, like, oh, they're doing like a, a ver- like it's it doesn't sound like. Um, like there's but ACDC. But ACDC it, are also cost, copying themselves. But exactly, as much but there's a million ACDC songs that sound like that, and then also it's it's not nearly so much as like a, there's a Rye Coalition record like after they they made a couple well received kind of noise rock records, and then they basically went full Grand Funk Railroad, and uh, yeah. you know, and, and they actually were poised for greater stardom because of that. But like I happened to catch them, we actually played support for them on that tour, not knowing that the new material was like oh. They're, they're 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 it's ACDC now and and, and I love ACDC right. so I was like this is cool this is not what I expected though like it was a it was a right. a wild turn but they and I like my coalition but they was like all right guys yeah I've got Power Ridge too I get it you know like it's it's like, right. <laughs> but I feel like Monday City Maniacs is something that's in that grand tradition of the ACDC riff rock but it's still uniquely you guys like it's got your sensibilities it's got your Like, I think that's one of the reasons why it's resonated with people. And also, let's not, you know, as much as, like, I'm sure people want to hear about Money City Maniacs, and I I do as well, she says what she means is also, I feel like, one of the the great first songs on her record in rock and roll. She says what she means. She says what she means is the best-sounding rock. That one is a sweet reference because that sweet, um, I don't know, it's a bit inside baseball, like, the, their sound often is the is the half cocked wah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I know exactly so, what you're talking about. Where it's like it's so like, not all the way it's on. Like, it's like yeah, 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 yeah. It's like so that one is total sweet. That's that song, and uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I know you're saying that because that's a song that I sing, and you're trying to give me some props or whatever. No, I do think it's but, one of yeah. the great. I, I've actually referenced that I, no, in I my own it's... records about like the great first songs. Like, how do you start off a record? Okay. I, I have mentioned yeah. that. I don't want to prove my bona fides, but I think it's great, and and that record sounds good too. Like, like so we were, um, anyway. So I was I was gonna say about so so we had this sort of rock record, and we, and then that was like proper, properly recorded and everything. Like I think that that record sounds really really good. And the next one, so the the two that you know or the two that you referenced, uh, Navy Blues and and Between the Bridges, were both recorded at the same place within about a year of each other, like a year and a bit. So like that, they, I wanted to do a double record for Navy Blues. Mm. Um, and, and that would have been, 
you know, maybe blues between the bridges kind of thing. Oh, you oh, so but, you wanted to have that? Oh, I see what you mean. So that would have been like one, one. Like, so like when I when we made Nate. When we made Between the Bridges, I didn't write any. I, I wrote Mark, Marky in the Moon, but the, my other songs I already had. Like they, they I, We already had a lot of it. But I also want to say about making a rock record then. So, you know, we, we were thought of as being indie rock. And when we made uh, Navy Blues, like we lost a lot of people. Like a lot of people were like, I don't get it. Like, is this a joke? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Are, are you guys kidding me? You guys think this is funny, right? You, yeah, and so and we do. They were they were looking for like, like the nudge and the wink of of like yeah. oh you guys are doing the thing okay, but you know which we have because I love you know you know Eddie Van Halen just died like I did love yeah. Van Halen but kind of like I like I loved uh, Fair Warning but you know but I was too punk to like them by the time 1984 came out but um, you know we liked. I loved my first, as I say, my first love was Kiss. Like we liked um, rock music and we got what was kind of goofy about it. You know, Jay was kind of the least comfortable with that kind of Mm. rock stuff. But we also differentiate between uh, rock music. You know, we've been accused of this was actually a a funny uh, uh, criticism that we received when we made our record called Action Pact. So maybe it was our fourth record. Our seventh record is actually quite a rock record too. It's called Action Pack. Yeah, yeah, that's the well, word. Action Packed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So there's like, there's kind of not a lot of eclecticism on that record. It's kind of like straightforward rock songs. Yeah. Which was just a fun experiment for us. But anyway, somebody criticized us as being they're like, I like your rock. I like, you know, I like rock music. You know, I like Navy Blues, but this is more like like riding on a Harley rock music. Like, I don't, I don't, I think you're kind of losing it here. And I think that's a funny differentiation. It's like, it's like, can we just keep the rock music off of the Harley Davidson? As long as it's off the Harley, you're good. Well, and that was the one where you kind of base everything off of like um, using like certain chord progressions, right? Like, like the songs were sort of like, yeah, trying to make one songs out of one chord yeah. progression. So like the verse would be the same as the uh, like a Devo gut feeling chorus, or yeah. a, a Velvet Underground um, doing something where you 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 imply structure and change structure within the song and have that be sort of like the challenge. It's a really interesting well, concept. Well, I was actually I, I mean at the time I was actually it was the most I ever kind of uh, was listening to modern music like. You know, uh, like R and B music, like when the when the Destiny's Child record came out, the, like I was more kind of I was like I was kind of like not interested in a lot of the rock records that were coming out. I was like, who's making good records? Like I don't, mm. I mean, so I liked, I really was excited by whatever. I, not not that that time. If you go back and list, like there's probably tons of stuff that was happening, but I guess like I was just sort of becoming deaf to it. Like, I heard so much rock music and yeah. So uh, it was interesting for me to listen to Destiny's Child or whatever. And when I thought about those songs, like as I played along to them, I was like, this is just one chord progression. Yeah, they don't have like 15 different and chords. With, and like <laughs> With tons of melodic variation yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, it, it was just sort of a something that Patrick and I were trying to do. Kind of was like, let's just try and do that for fun. Anyway, I, but I think that that record, Action Packer, our seventh record, um, we did it with a recorded it with a guy named Tom Rothrock, and um, he was just like, 
uh, I like you've got a, you've got the greatest drummer in rock, yeah. and you guys can sing harmonies. Just do that. And so actually, the joke is we we're like, yeah, let's make an ACDC record, but with harmonies. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, and then yeah. like a couple minutes, then we were like, let's Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Back on the Harley. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you know, real quick, I, I, just because I do dig on Navy blue so much. What do you like when Andrew shows up with sinking ships? Like, yeah, that's do the you greatest know? song Are you just time. like, you're like, this is, are you, are you kidding me with this? Like, is it just, yeah. do you know immediately? Yeah. So Andrew, Andrew, is a great he's so such a special writer like he's um without him you know he's just such a you know he doesn't do anything to move us forward or administrative anything or like <laughs> let's do let's try this like he has to be dragged kind of to everything yeah. but he's such a special musician and a special writer um yeah so sinking ships is the fourth song on 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 navy blues and it's a you know, it's kind of two songs in one at least, and there's like kind of two recordings, and one was kind of cut in. Yeah. We do that a couple times on Navy Blues, which also but, gives uh, it that uh, kind of '60s Kinksy sort of Beatlesy sort yeah. of vibes. Yeah, his reference that I never really got into uh, is the Pretty Things. Like that's like Andrew's. Andrew's Andrew loves the Kinks and kind of turned me on to the Kinks, like in my 30s. But um, but he also really loves this band called the Pretty Things. Um, 60s band that I don't really know anything much about but but I think that a lot of his when I if I ever hear the pretty things I'm like that's Andrew stole that like I, I hear what he's <laughs> right right that's oh that's where he got oh okay. for all I know sinking ships is a pretty thing song and he just doesn't want to tell me it's, but, it's uh, got, it'd no, be too weird at this point right <laughs> sinking ships sinking ships is Andrew's kind of masterpiece it's like it's like one of the great songs in our catalog for sure. Like it's uh, something of which I am very proud. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I don't know if I played much of anything on it. Like I just, I got to sing on it, but Andrew kind of did all of that stuff. Like he's so special that way. He, he's, that's just how, how he rolls with uh, when he's, when he's got the, the ideas. And, and his, and his songs on the next record too. Um, the last song on between the bridges is, I mean, uh, yeah, between is called delivering uh, maybes, maybes, which yeah. is so good. The first song is called The NS, which is great. And then there's this seven-minute blues workout called Sensory Deprivation. Oh, yeah. Like Andrew's yeah. Got it's the, like near the end of the A-side, if I remember right. Yeah. I don't remember. But but uh, anyway, a lot, a lot of fans – like so that was the beginning of our commercial plummet or whatever. Like we sold like <laughs> 80,000 records of one chord to another, yeah. 70,000 records of Navy Blues. That's uh, still going on like – 20,000 copies of Between the Bridges. Like it was a real come down. So it was like the beginning of the end or whatever. Like like up until then, I was like, why aren't we getting bigger than this? And then I had to change my feeling to at least we're still doing it. Like whatever, which is the... But, I, but, the, but also you got to remember too, that's also what kind of Napster came came about. That's, too, that's right. right. Yeah, I mean, lots, that was, lots of stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and where we used to... Um, we're on... Our videos were on much music up in Canada all the time. But then it was just like, you know, we were kind of out of fashion. It was like Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and like all that boy band, uh, all that candy stuff. 
but well, I've joked about it. I have a song called Tell Me Something I Don't Know, saying now there's only extremes divided into two teams, the sicknesses and the antidotes. It's like you were either in corn or Marilyn Manson or you were in Britney Spears <laughs> yeah, or in sync. <laughs> yeah. It was just like it's like where where does cheap trick go now? Like Yeah. Like they have to. You have to either be like the sweetest candy or this like evil like or Metallica. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah exactly. But anyway, um, but I was going to say uh, uh, between the bridges. To me, it's of all of our records, maybe except one. It's my weakest record. So like when people love it, it really speaks to the fact that everybody is everybody is. Um, yeah, like it's, it, losing it's California. Not all about me. That's that's a. No, that's that's a, a I just mean like song, those right? guys. Like the J, the, the J songs are great. The Andrew songs. Oh, I are see great. what you mean. It's, okay. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually it's usually Patrick and I who are kind of like have the singles and that kind of thing. But between the bridges, I think that people like because it's so well balanced. Like Andrew's songs are fantastic. Yeah. I actually think that mine are the least. I'm the, I'm in fourth place on that record. Not that I. Not that I have a chart that you don't have like a power ranking that gets updated. No, I do that kind of thing. Clone <laughs> power ranking. But, uh, <laughs> Week seven thousand and five fifty three. Well, usually I'm number one or two. <laughs> it just it hurts to be four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but you you got it anyway. But but you know, but I think it's good that you have the self awareness to know when it's not that like something is bad necessarily, but you you know when something is awesome and when something's hitting and then you just know that like okay put in the work didn't really do it that time you know it did what it was supposed to do but okay cool move on you know you know that you can you've got the the, the future you can learn from yeah that. you know when you when you only have one record under your belt like you want to put everything in it it's like the second record always gets like the kitchen sink everything but like when you're doing yeah. your ninth or it's like yeah, that's done. Just like we'll do the another one next time. Like, you know, I just I kind of feel like I don't feel that precious about it anymore. Like I'm into doing a good job and I don't want to rip anybody off and I don't want to sully our legacy. Like I'm interested in stuff like that. I am, you know, whereas some people be like, I don't care. Like I do care a lot about um, I don't want to make I don't want to make steel wheels and voodoo lounge. Like I want them to all be yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> You know, I want to, and I want to play, I want to play 10 of them when we play in the next tour. Like, and I don't want them, I don't want people to be pissed. Like I want it to be exciting and fun. But I mean, I think, I think Marky and the Moon is that, that's on that record and that, that song slams. Right. Well, here you see, here you see the flip side of me. That's the best song on the record. Yeah. <laughs> but my other two yeah, still are. So you're in fourth now. place. So the, is, that, is that like <laughs> a, still, yeah. an early, I'm trying to think of a sports analogy, but it, you know, it's like, it's like you like early great showing and then a terrible rest of the rest of the season. <laughs> I guess I was, I was so pissed that we didn't do a double record on Navy blues. Yeah. When we did, um, when we did, um, what's it called between the bridges? I was just like, <laughs> I already have songs. Like I didn't, I didn't even try. I was just like, oh, I've got one more Mark in the moon, which yeah. I actually think is one of the, one of my it's best songs. But, yeah, it's, it's, but, would, um, it, it, it's up there as one of the best Sloan songs. I would say I would put it in the top yeah. 10, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know what my point is. I'm just <laughs> making, making jokes. <laughs> Power ranking on that song is really good overall for the record. Maybe like less so, but Anyway, I also just thought that I just also thought the artwork was kind of like nothing as well. Like we tried to make it kind of simple, but like I just feel like I think about that record and I was like, 
there's no there's no color oh yeah it's white there's just nothing anyway it it's just got, seems it's a got little the bit feel of like oh is this gonna sound like the almond brothers or something like what like if you didn't know like you wouldn't necessarily know what it's all about right it, it doesn't right i wouldn't call it my favorite of your album covers but you know whatever right well the 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 other thing that we do that is kind of like a boy band basically or the beatles it's like i always insist that we're on the record cover whereas you know a lot of record covers in the 90s would be like like a little lawn ornament of a gnome or like a garden sprinkler just like some shit i was just like fuck that we're a band and we're going on the cover of the fucking record wear something nice cool gnome jerk yeah just like no one oh i see no one gives a shit about you including yourself Anyway, I know. But then think about and, like the and, great like who's next or something, right? Like that's such an iconic cover. It's like them like with that big uh, cement, whatever the like hell it is, piss, and pissing on the monolith. Or yeah, whatever. pissing on the monolith, yeah. and it's like that's such a yeah. like ah, it's 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 great, and it's. I mean, I think you guys do have a lot of, you know, the welcome to <laughs> record cover art <laughs> critiques one hundred and one. But I mean, I think yeah. like, I think a lot you have more great artwork then you aren't but it's funny you say that because i've actually never thought about the fact that yeah it's you guys on the on the record cover yeah and um except for the first one it's kind of looks like it's us but it's not us it's a party we were at but it's 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 three people that are friends of ours but it's it looks like me because the person it's a woman and has great big glasses um on smeared it's just all blurred you can't see it it's a woman named martha hancock oh wow but uh And uh, and Andrew's wife Fiona, his girlfriend at the time that he's still with, and uh, and our buddy Dave Marsh, who is the best drummer in Halifax. Well, sorry, besides Andrew. <laughs> 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 so I think that it, so that's so okay. So so we so we're up to what? That's two thousand three, right? Something, something along those lines, right? Is that I'm well? I did skip a few, but we, we, we did we, we did we did skip, skip a couple there. But whatever. I mean, if we, Chris, if we sit there and go through every record, we, we're going to be here for four hours. And I was, yes, but but I'm when okay you're talking that, about your family might not when, be <laughs> right. When you talk about the story of our band, the, the the way that it the the thing is like it's like, and then they were signed to Geffen really early, and then they kind of broke up for a while, and then they had a comeback record uh, one chord to another, and they would, and then they just kept working. Yeah, I think like there's no, but you know what I mean? Like that it's the part of which I'm proud, but the story is there's no story. It's just like, then they're just a working band and there's no story and it's not sexy and it's hard to sell records. But if you're a music fan and you're, and you keep your ear to the ground, you might hear of us and maybe, you know, we still get people who are like, how did I not know of you guys? Right. Like I, I love these guys and these guys and these, I didn't even know you guys. And so, and I feel like our catalog is strong and I think that, and we're still intact and you can still go see us. I mean, except for COVID, it's like, it's not like, oh, I miss those guys. It's like, no, we're no, actually playing actually next week. <laughs> and doing it. Yeah. And, and that's, so I think that's- the that's, same guys. So, and a lot of people have expressed uh, for this, to this show that one of the things they like is, is that I have a lot of people on that have, if not the same, it's not going to be the same, but similar career arcs of just- doing the work and, and continuing to do yeah. the work and do it. And again, I'm going to reference him for like, I think the fourth time, you know, a mud honey, 
right, is 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 a good mm-hmm. example. Uh, you know, Poster Children, like Melvins. There's there's plenty of bands that like have continued just to like do their thing, and do things that are for their audience and, and for their for their folks. But then also people will be like, wow, I didn't know. This is, you know, great. I'll go back and find these older records. And, like, I think that's cool because I think there's a certain amount of swagger towards being a catalog band. And Mm -hmm. not every band should try it. There's some bands where it's like, yep, the one's enough. I don't want to hear any more from you. And that's (laughs) – we're good. Yeah. We're good here. Yeah. But, like, I think every Sloan record has got – there's – stuff there where it's like oh that's really cool like it's neat that they tried that like the again the harley writing record right which i never in a million years would have thought of by the way yeah. but like when well that was... wasn't our intention that was a <laughs> that was a derogatory <laughs> comment that i think is funny sponsored by harley davidson yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like and and the idea which i think is, is somewhat anachronistic and youth obsessed the fact that like oh you can't make great works later in life or that you yep. shouldn't bother again the, going back to what we talked about before the justify your existence aspect of it yeah I, I think that's largely nonsense as long as as long as you're doing it in a way where you're not just doing it to do it necessarily like if you've got some some modus operandi I, whether it's known or not i think i think it it shows through and i think it works i think that i th- you know we you know, within the group, we fight about, or we there's a push pull about. Like Andrew thinks that a lot of the more Harley end of the spectrum songs, like he is, uh, he kind of puts up a stink about playing them and doesn't want to play them, and he fe- he feels that he doesn't want to. He already feels like uh, it's it's undignified to play some of the music that we do because we're too old and these kinds of things and. Yeah, I don't feel, you know, if I were in, if I had to put eyeliner on and big baggy pants or something, I was like, oh, I got to put eyeliner on because that's yeah. what I did when everybody like, I don't feel like I have to do, I don't feel like I have to pretend to be anything that I'm not. Like I, I am still excited to play music and meet people and I haven't met everybody I ever wanted to meet. Like I'm game and, and, uh, and I like rock music still. I'm not contemptuous of it. I didn't get so good at my instrument that I'm like, oh. I gotta play pop music. What I really want to do is play jazz. Right. Like I still the, kind of the suck. Jaco Pastorius story. Yeah. Yeah. Like I <laughs> never got that good, uh, but you know I've got better. Like I'm fine. Like I. Anyway, I just mean I feel so. So there's some push pull in the band. Like Andrews says, "Can we just play quieter or whatever?" It's like, right. well, can you just put earplugs in and be the best drummer in the world? And, yeah. It's- for, for for someone that's such a great like you know loud rock drummer, it's funny that he'd be the one pushing for things to be yeah. <laughs> on the on the quieter side. I would think. But uh, you know, there's I think within any band or any collective or like we there's are we artists or are we entertainers? That's always kind of like, are you here to entertain people? Like when I, I heard a couple of your shows, I, I listened to. Did you have Albini on three times? I listened to them all. I think, I think it might be. Four. I get a huge it, kick out of him. Yeah, uh, it might be four, um, but he's, he's anyway. He was he's definitely saying you could like talk to that dude about Pogs, and it's yeah, gonna be fantastic. I think he's. Right? I think he's. <laughs> I think he's brilliant, right? But uh, but I, you know, he was saying, you know, I, we just do it for ourselves. You know, I don't. I don't 
kind of saying like, I don't care if other people are interested, we're just doing it for ourselves. And right. I don't exactly feel that way, which I guess makes me an entertainer, which I guess makes me less uh, artistically viable seeming or whatever. But I mean, I'm just, uh, I think that, I think that I have a proper balance. I'm into playing our new songs. I don't want to just come out and be a heritage act. Um, I'm into continuing to write and continuing to produce material, but I don't, you know, I don't think of myself as a heavy duty artist or anything like that. I, I'm just, I'm, especially in the context of the band, I'm more of an entertainer. Andrew is more of an artist and he makes me seem, he makes me appear less a fool because of how artistic and cool and beautiful and stoic he is. You know, right. if it were a four guys like me, I'd be in the bare naked ladies. If it were four <laughs> guys like him, he'd be in sisters of mercy or I don't know what. <laughs> right. Right. But then also it's not like there's a correct path, right? Like, you know, the, the idea, the idea no, of being like, a, the entertainer versus the artist, like there, there's a, like a Venn diagram an overlapping Venn diagram, you know, where it's like, okay, maybe you got like kiss on one side and you've got a, uh, uh, Neil Young over there, you know, like, yeah. okay, fine. Then like, I think it, again, it works. And there's a certain alchemy to it with what you guys do that like both sides of that come across, but without being like precious about it and without being, you know, whap, hit you over the head with a hammer either. I mean, I don't, I think that we've got a pretty good balance going on. I think that there are some things we could fight about that I don't want to talk about or, or, you know, some stuff gets serious, but but the ways that we disagree or like Patrick makes fun of me for showboating or whatever, like I'm into <laughs> like playing up all of those, uh, you know, I'm into to the sort of the fun fighting or yeah. whatever. like I'm into because we do disagree all the time. And, right. and you know, you can't help but disagree. And there really is no boss, uh, but you can't get fired. So we're stuck with each other. Well, and you you kind of did a self-effacing thing with your playing ability, but there's also not everybody should be trying to do a, you know, notes per minute academic exercise thing, too. There's when I think of like, for instance, when I think of Sloan, I think of like, oh, wow, solid songs. Right. There's some some bands yeah. within within my own unit. We, we talk we always talk about sound bands versus song bands. <laughs> There's some bands like okay. their sound. Give me is some great. examples. Oh no! I, I uh... Oh, it's a, an off-air. It's an off-air. <laughs> this off is an off-air off conversation for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but meaning that like some some bands they have a great sound, like they they make for a great live act. But you're like, I'm not going to throw that record on. You know, I don't like right. whatever. It doesn't matter. And there's some some bands that are song bands where it's like, okay, maybe the live experience, eh, it's fine. But God, the records kill. And some of the best bands are are bands that do both. But I think you've got, just like how we were talking about Andrew has like a really strong musicality to his drumming. I mean, I think you're, you, whether or not you're, again, academic decathlon level bass playing or not, like, dude, it's it, it works really well. And and it reminded me too, like, how'd you get into playing the, those kind of, uh, is it a short scale? Uh, the, yeah. How did that... Was that like an aesthetic choice? Was that just what you ended up with? Like, because it's it's kind of an interesting vibe. My roommate owned it. I was going to buy it off him for two hundred dollars, <laughs> and he sold it to the to the music store. And then I went to the music store to buy it, and they charged me four hundred dollars. <laughs> so I've been mad about it ever since. But I got a lot of use out of it. <laughs> the thing is, it's just like bass guitars. Bass guitars are too big. And they break they you are. back. Yeah, and if you're not so like a, I basically, a gigantic person, 
<laughs> I got small hands. Yeah. You know, I'm 5'10 or whatever, but it's just a pain in the ass to, to use a bigger bass. I think it looks cool too. You know, Bill Wyman had one. Tina Weymouth had one. I don't know. They're cool. Well, and so so what do you when you think about... Because it seems like even when you're adding on to the dude's songs, you're still coming out from the position of what makes for a strong arrangement, what makes for a strong uh, addition to the greater whole. And, you know, I think it works without being, like, very flashy, necessarily. But it's like, you know, there's some, like, really cool, like, functional functional flourishes, sure, that, that, that you do that are in there. Like, are you thinking about, like, hey, let's just try to do something kind of cool here and see what happens or is it something where it's more logical is it a feel thing like how when, when you're when you're when you're doing it like where does it come from playing bass playing <laughs> guess, bass yeah how do you play bass chris murphy no but like <laughs> well specifically well, the style of bass that you play what what are you thinking about in terms of with the songs and how it com- all comes together i mean I'm just, I mean, I think I'm just a combination of McCart- Paul McCartney and Gene Simmons, basically. Just uh, trying to stay out of the way, I guess, but whatever. You know, Paul McCartney famously played bass after the after the bed track was done. He did bass last kind of thing, or he would like, even after the singing. So he'd be like, okay, they're singing here. I got to kind of play, nor- and then there's a place to flourish or whatever. Like, I often do that too. But... You know, like any marriage, like around 1999, Patrick was, he had had it with my bass playing. He's just like, would you just, just play simpler? Just play the root notes. And- <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, or sometimes he would just do it himself or he would, you know, when we got into computers in like 2001, he's like, yeah, can you play on that? And I'd be like, yeah, you could do this or that. And then I'd come back and he had cut everything out of it. You know, it's just like, you know, he just wants it to be simple and you just, Thinks of me as like jerking off all over it, kind of thing. <laughs> and once you just do like the uh, what's that thing? It's like a, 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 the kids in the hall skit where the e e e e like. Where the, <laughs> <laughs> the do you know what I'm talking about? Is this a? I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of kids in the hall. I probably know that one. I can't think. Oh. I should know it. I guess if I'm a bass player. I was gonna say I'll send it to you later. But, <laughs> but Jay Jay Ferguson is like go crazy, like play all yeah. over this thing, like. And so he lets me go bananas and I go bananas on my songs. And Andrew usually plays bass on his songs. So Patrick often lets me, gets me to play the bass, but he often um, wants me to dumb it down from uh, when we did action packed uh, again, as that seventh record with the, like with the, a lot of rock songs with similar, just one chord progression. Mm -hmm. I also, I don't think I played any bass lines on that record. That was another kind of, fun thing to try i just like kind of did no you know they the b-52s used to get called yeah. uh dance music with no baseline or whatever <laughs> right, like there's right, a bass right. but it's just like boom 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 but, and, you know, uh, and you got ricky wilson going like absolutely nuts where it's like what where's where's he go like what is happening right now but that's like part yeah. of what made it so great and then you you get like uh yeah i mean that's the alchemy of that band right that they could get away with just making these incredible uh, hooks where you're like I, where did that come from I don't understand where that came oh. from. Oh, I know. Yeah, it was from outer space. I love the B-52s as well. Yeah, they're great. Um, so, yeah, I, whatever. I'm just like, I'm a Beatles fan, basically just yeah. trying to do Beatles stuff. But I also just like, I like, I think Gene Simmons is a cool bass player. You know, Kiss, much maligned band. Gene Simmons, giant asshole. 
but uh, you know, right. but they were cool. I, I, I have a whole thing about Kiss that Kiss is still being blamed for the failure of the New York Dolls, and so everyone's still mad at them, right? For did, taking their act to Middle America. Did Did you ever see the documentary uh, on the bass player for the for the New York Dolls? Um, gosh. Oh, Arthur Kane. Yeah, it's a, I forget what it's called. Yeah. But it's a bummer. I mean, I don't know if I did. I remember when it came out. Yeah, it, it's it's really good, but it was like one of those things where it's like, <sighs> maybe I did see it. Drag. Yeah, it's depressing. But, but I, that's it, I mean that. So I, that said, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. So I, sorry, I didn't mean to. Whatever. Gene Simmons should have died in a car crash, a long or a plane. Cr- you know what you know what I mean? I don't want wish death upon anyone, but like he has. Not that anyway. He I have be a, remember I think, differently if if he had followed yeah, a certain seventy six. Right? Like if they were all dead in seventy six, it'd be like they were so great. They're yeah. Alice Cooper. It's cool, but they just it just became so awful. But um, anyway, I, I, I stand behind Kiss. I think they're I think they're one of the I think they're a great band too. They had a lot of what I think are cool records in a short amount of time. But I really love Kiss. I really love pre Arena Kiss. Because, um, you know, Arena Kiss makes sense. Mm-hmm. Kiss in the clubs is like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you guys are the openers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you got it. You're hanging a sign. We're on after you. Yeah. Well, who's who's gonna be taking that down? Are you gonna be doing that? Like, what's? Yeah, exactly. What's is that there when we play too? Or <laughs> yeah, like, does that can they put a sheet in front of it or something? Like, is that? Is it like so? It's just like so ballsy and crazy and so much dedication and heart. But you know, but uh, but in the, once it was in the stadiums, it was like okay, big deal. But when it was just, I just found, I just, I love looking at. I have follow a whole bunch of like kiss stupid stuff on Instagram just to like just love the pictures of them in 75. Yeah. They're just so hungry and so cool and anyway. And Gene Simmons like he was kind of before he was kind of like singing like like he was singing like yes I think I'm going like he was a cool singer too but like everything got wrecked. But anyway what am I talking about? Then I opened up my own business. <laughs> and that's how, how I do came I to Farm Alpacas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How about, so So we've talked a lot about how the, like, the songs, uh, all the different songs from, from the different writers fit on the record and you yep. know, it being a democracy and stuff. I'm reminded of uh, Commonwealth, where you actually yep. split it up. And it's like, and, I, yes. and it was something where it's like, oh, like when that came out, it's like, yeah, I guess they've never done that. That's the thing that they have they haven't they haven't done. So did you look at that like as a challenge or speaking of Kiss, like remember when they did like the solo records and, Yes. Uh... <laughs> yes. So so the record that you're of which you speak is a double record on vinyl and where we usually sequence the record uh compilation style, you know, like the Beatles revolver or whatever. So like, you know, different stylistic changes that careen into each other and the more different kind of the better or whatever. You know, we've been we had been uh, accused. Uh, you know, people have criticized us of like this record is okay, but it's like a compilation. But that never bothers me. It's like so is Revolver. So is some yeah. of the greatest records of all time. Exactly. And um, and so yeah, the record Commonwealth was. We decided we were we were not going to sequence it like a compilation. We were going to sequence it like uh, four mini solo EPs kind of thing. And, so uh, the, the you know, flow of each side kind of works almost as a, a a piece in and of itself, like as a record in and of itself. 
yeah, or not. Like it, yeah. it was up to you if you wanted to do whatever, it. Like, however so, like, you wanted to fly with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Andrews is one long, one long song, which is kind of like six or so sub songs that are kind of smashed together. It's like a song. Patrick's are kind of. <laughs> Yeah, Patrick's are kind of unrelated. Jay's kind of flow together. I don't know if they all flow together. Mine kind of flow together. But uh, yeah, we didn't want there to be a side one, two, three, or four. So that was Commonwealth was done up. The motif of that record is like playing cards. So yeah, it's like, yeah, like hearts, each, of, spades, each of us is diamond. Each of us is depicted as a as a king of the suit of cards, and um, and so like there's side diamonds, side hearts, side spades, side clubs. So. So it's supposed to be non-hierarchical or whatever, but if but it but it's kind of alphabetical. It's like Jay, then me, then Patrick, then Andrew. right, right, right. Well, yeah. and it's something where it, it's again, it's it's a way of presenting, uh, you know, Sloan in, in a way that you know, true heads will I, know, right? But like, yes, I, I think that <laughs> my 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 point my point in undertaking it was. We're one of the only bands that can do this. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. It's like who else is going to do this? Like Sebado, like uh, Queen. Right. But the thing is, like, you know, Freddie Mercury sang all the songs. Like we're each taking turns singing. Like I think that we're really we are unique in that aspect. Like I really think that you can't count a lot of bands that do what we do, and it's hard to keep it together. And you know, so uh, what was my point? So yeah, so. It was fun to think about, okay, now, because when I'm writing a song, I don't know what's coming before or after it. You know, sometimes we'll echo each other's song motifs. Okay, that'll come later in the record. But I never want to, we always make it so that I don't follow myself. I'm I'm always sandwiched by the other guys and it's yeah. just always the case. So it was fun to try to come up with, you know, sort of 16, 17 minutes of songs. Like, how am I going to lay this out? Because I have, now I have the power to sort of pre-plan it. So that was a fun exercise. But in my mind, we have another double record called Never Hear the End of It. Right. I think it's more successful because it's, it, is, it is sequenced like a compilation. And I like, that's what, one of the things I like about our band is that is the always changing styles. I like Commonwealth. I think it was a worthwhile project to do, but I don't think it's as good as um, Never Hear the End of It, whatever, well, as, a, as a comparison. It's almost like the pseudo comp aspect of things kind of plays to the strengths of the band, uh, to a certain degree. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So, and that, and which leads me to, you know, if you if you think about sequencing and like when things are fitting together, like are you, like what comes into play? I mean, there, there's certain, obviously, there's vibe. There's like, okay, that's that's in this key, you know, that like has like yeah, this we do thing a bit that of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, because uh, sometimes it, we've done. We've done records where we try to like, you know, so this, the last chord of this is the same as the first chord of that. So right. we'll cut off the last note of that and it'll go right into that. Whatever. We do some of that too. And, um, but sometimes it just becomes relentless. So you have to make breaks. I don't think there's anything that I have to say on the matter that is, uh, uh, illuminating, but, uh, I love sequencing and I love, I, I, we have two double records, uh, and as I say, I prefer doing uh, Never Hear the End of It because it is a compilation style, but it was so much fun to sequence that because we had 30 things to sequence. It's a lot. And then and you it, got you got to think about, as a listener, you know, they're, you're going to be taking them on a ride and take them in certain places. And and when, yeah. and, and, and I didn't mean to interrupt, sorry, but like the, the when people talk about, oh, it plays like a compilation, man, a good compilation is a skill. 
Just like sequencing yeah. a record is a skill. Yeah. I mean, I there's mean, records I, I that are mean, brilliant. It's like, but it's like, oh, why did you, why did you put that there? Like, this would be, yeah. oh, this is, no. Or at least that's how I feel. Well, I'm it. sure, I'm sure we've done that too. I mean, I, when we did uh, Between the Bridges, um, it starts with a slow song. You know, we, uh, up until then, we were kind of like, well, you have to start with something exciting to bring people in. Yeah. And then we started with the slow song. And then it was a huge, and then it tanked. And then we're like, did we make a fucking huge mistake here? Right, right. Should it should have should have done like a, the good in everyone or yeah, says which what she means or something. Yeah, just start off with a rock. yeah. So you know, we had rock song. We should have started with losing California. Yeah. Why did we not do that? It's so stupid. But um, you know, we were just trying to make the records different than each other. We didn't always want to have the same template. But uh, the thing is, that with four writers, you only get. On a 12-song record, you only get three chances. So, I would say that, you know, I'm I'm usually trying to come in with three, not necessarily commercial, but three well-crafted proper songs. But when we did never hear the end of it, when I think I have 14 songs on that record, you know, I I had song snippets and and weirder songs. Like I think it's more, it was I. It's almost like I you're guided by voices. I think you do a double record every time. Yeah. Record, right? Because it's sort of like yes. everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs> yeah, well, I think guided by voices, what's, you know, on B1000, yeah, there are like lots of song snippets and like they take lots of chances and that's what's exciting. It's like like an exciting magazine. Like, oh my God, what's on the next page? Yeah. It's like it, it's, it's exciting every at every turn. And, you know, I, I guess I think that when they're when you only get three chances – they become a little bit conservative. It's like, well, I want, I don't want to put a song experiment that just took me 20 minutes to come up. Like I want to come up with well-crafted burr, 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 or whatever. Anyway, it was fun to do the double records. And I almost wish that we would do double records every time because we could, because we have four writers. Uh, but you know, it's expensive to record for that long and all that kind of stuff. Do you, when you're when you're writing, is it more inspiration or perspiration, or is it you know some combination of the two? And I think about like Nick Cave, for instance. He talks about how he goes, you know, he like puts on suit and you know tie optional, <laughs> puts yeah. on shoes, goes Polo down the piano, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. and bangs it out. And some day, some days there's something there, and some days not so much. Yeah, uh, I would say that mine is. I don't know how to answer within like that sort of, is it perspiration or inspiration? If I have a, if I ever have the time, so I had kids and so your time goes way down, but my kids are older now. And so when, when iPhones started having, like it used to be that I would sing into my answering machine. Mm. Like I would call my house and sing into my answering machine. And then I would hold a mic by the thing and like record that. Like, and so then, like a lot of my songs are from answering machines like and now with the phone like with voice memos like oh that's an idea and then you just go then you just piece them together like i'm not i'm not a special anything like i need to work to do it anything that I, that i'm perceived as good at it's because i put the time in like i i'm not i wasn't born with anything i didn't i didn't take piano as a kid like i don't have a, a sophisticated understanding of music and when I think about the songs that are like, I love this one too, it's really special. But if I put a capo on and realize like they're all kind of the same, probably like I, 
you know, I get sick of myself, which is why I'm glad to be in the band with other people who, who haven't who bring other things to the record. Um, and they can throw you a curveball and something that's unexpected. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, and, 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 you know, egos clash and stuff. Like I would say that Patrick, when he started out, he was kind of like the, this wallflower. Then by the third record became, I'm fully invested in this. And then he had a string of, it was all his singles for a couple of years there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'd be like, hey, Patrick, why don't you? And he's like, I think I know what I'm doing, dude. Like, right. get lost. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, right, whatever. <laughs> Cream and two sugars, Mr. Pentland. <laughs> But, yeah, um, totally, but 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 he found his voice and like and found his place yes, in the band and, and found yes, what, what but, for him. Yeah, and 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 probably felt for a couple of records under the thumb of like he used to refer to Jay and me as the alt Gestapo because we were always like, <laughs> you can't do that, you, you can't do that. Right, right. Um, yeah, he, he, he had all the rules that. Uh, yeah. Know, Thou shalt not. You know, we fought. Yeah, we we fought, you know, all of the trappings of the rules of punk and indie rock and college radio and, you know, everybody's a sellout or, you know, a which, lot which of is, rules. Yeah, for for and, and I always have to give the caveat for the younger listeners, that used to be a, a big thing that especially in the 90s people talked about a lot. But you don't you don't think that you don't think that I, I, I know that a lot of I know that music gets used a lot more in ads and stuff like that that would have been at one point abhorrent but don't you think that um credibility and you are the suggestion is that like people don't understand what selling out is anymore that's kind of what you're saying i'm, I'm speaking somewhat facetiously but i think the young younger listeners uh i know what you mean i'm not it's right. not like i've been under a, I, i'm not i'm asking you to <laughs> well chris let me explain it to you uh no, no. what happened <laughs> like we're I feel like there's there's less of a, a like it was an all encompassing part of the conversation in the '90s, and and I feel like it, it's yeah. less um, just by nature of how everything operates now, it, it's less in the conversation in that same way. And I, I think something that is insincere or, or kind of a you know you invoke the minimum earlier, as Mike Watt would say, mersh about things yeah. like I think that still shines through and people can smell it a mile away, but I think it hits differently when it's in a modern context, it hits differently than it did. I guess I'm saying stuff is different now than it used to be. I don't know what I'm saying. Like it, it, it's, but it, yeah. but it, it's, it, no, I do. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it was a different vibe in the nineties. It, it was, it was especially when the majors kind of decided, Oh, we can just manufacture our own alt bands. Right. So you have mm-hmm. these like right. ostensible boy bands put together <laughs> that are going right. down the circuit along with other bands that had like lived it and breathed it. And, you know, Right, the but, archetype. right, and and and, and as I sort of say, like we could, you could say that we're like that. Like I know that uh, there was a whole essay like Thurston Moore shitting on Weezer. Right, I, I forget what it, what it was, but I was be like, in my mind, when the first Weezer record came out, I'd be like, I'm kind of more into Weezer than Sonic Youth. It's like, it's like, like heavy cars with like you know, it, yeah, the songs are good. Like I mean, what am I? It's say? pop music. Like to me, it just sounded like. You know, Sonic Youth. I have nothing against Sonic Youth, and I appreciate what's great about them. And right. uh, but uh, you know, they were they basically like they were. I think kind of felt like they could be 
wave their magic wand. It's like these guys can't come in. And and, and in my mind, it was kind of like, like the because their songs them. are better. Because <laughs> well, because your so- their songs are better. Yeah, yeah. Like because because you guys, you have a cool thing, and whatever, I, whatever. I don't want to come off as no, no. Because I think Sonic Youth. No, no. But you're on the something. So I had Alex Newport on. Uh, somewhat recently from the band Fudge Tunnel uh, from, from yeah. the 90s and uh, you know, Theory of Ruin, Nail Bomb, a bunch of other things. But like, he's an unabashed Weezer fan. And like, a, yeah. a lot of fans of the show that were like, we'll call it purveyors of the heavy, were just like, oh, yeah. you know, like, how could he? And it's like, well, they're good songs, man. Like, you know, it's not right. for you. Well, That's so fine. He's a producer. When I, you think he doesn't get sick of just... hearing, uh, you know, like, doom bands coming in sound like third rate melvins of course he does right well i well i heard your stephen mcdonald one right. where where he was saying that they were melvins fans that would you know he got the can of beer in the face or whatever yeah. and it's like he's bringing the show man like and if you don't like it okay but like come on that's so he's a treasure he's a national treasure stephen mcdonald yes but i but i but you know Red Cross, Weezer, Sloan. I mean, I think that those. I think that the that's a you know different than Sonic Youth say. Yeah. But but where's where's Nirvana? Like Nirvana, Nirvana had great songs. Yeah. Sonic Youth don't have that many great songs. Like Nirvana had amazing songs. I mean, I guess it maybe it speaks to some of your like sound bands. I was just gonna say, Son- so, I I, yeah. I adore Sonic Youth. Yeah, uh, I, I, I really my, my favorite Sonic Youth. My favorite Sonic Youth was their was goo, their commercial yeah. stuff. Like the and, and they have been a I, song band, but they they the vast majority of Sonic Youth's career, they have definitely yeah. been a sound band for sure. But but they're but it's art and it's stuff, like I get it, but yeah, I don't. I never listen to it. But yeah, I, so- I, I'm I'm bef- I'm behind it, but I'm not listening to it. Right, totally, yeah. and and it's well, it's interesting to hear your perspective on that because I, I I hear a lot of what you're saying. I actually am completely, one hundred percent of one mind with you on that. Yeah. But some of it, I you know, you articulate too much but of the stuff is, and you sound like a crank or whatever. But it's like okay, I mean, no, but you no, shouldn't but be the, like the, putting uh, walls up. Punk rock or whatever isn't about like putting walls up and making rules necessarily. But it's like oh, these guys can be let in, these guys can't. Yes, but the okay. flip side of like. But the flip side of, oh, people don't know about paying dues or people don't know about selling out anymore. It's like, maybe, but at the same time, maybe it could be framed as people don't have a couple of, you know, people like Sonic Youth, I don't mean to hold it against them, saying who can who can play and who can't. Right. You know, it's like... There's no gatekeepers it's like, anymore. It's, everyone's there's able There's no to, gatekeeper. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, like, I knew, I knew that... Uh, What's the band that sang like "Let's Jail"? Come on, come on, come on! Like, oh, um, uh, was that band? Uh, that, Whatever. I, I knew that. that yeah, yeah. I knew that that was terrible. Like, it's not like yeah. I mean, but 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 I like, and and I knew, and I also knew that uh, what's the Scott Whelan's band called? Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't allowed in because yeah. they were like these gross. But they had some of the greatest songs. Yeah. Like they, they had great songs. They, they got a couple of tunes where, like, if you were to do a blind like taste test, or listening, I guess it's not a taste test, but like, uh, people would be like, "Oh, that's good. Who is that?" And be like, "You'd be surprised." Whenever that, whenever they came out, I was like, 
look at these fucking idiots. But then when Big Bang when when Big Bang Baby came out, I yeah. was like, this is awesome. These then, guys then it's are like, great. Look at look at these fucking idiots. <laughs> you just changed yeah, the emphasis. I mean. Anyway, but no, I, I agree. And, and like were, th- that, and that was were, a harsh epiphany for me as a record store snob of being like, of course, of fuck. course. It's like, do I have to like these guys? <laughs> yeah, this sucks. <laughs> I, but, I can't believe but, I'm being put know, in this position right now. <laughs> but at the same time, you know. But but in but it's also like we all kind of bought into the the lie the goofiness of it's goofy to not like what's anyway. I grew up into punk rock and stuff, and I, you know, I, I'm only now able to like certain songs that came out at a time when I would have never liked that song, like, like I don't know, like a Phil Collins song or whatever. I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's great. It's like that's heavy. Well, Genesis is heavy. Like, I wasn't gonna allow myself to listen to it back when I obeyed all the rules or whatever. Yeah, if you're listening to Black Flag anyway, and someone throws on Chicago, you're, you're going to be like, what the, yeah. you know? And then you're like, oh, actually, you know, this kind of slams. <laughs> there's some, there's some piece of terror yeah. and total BS, okay. <laughs> anyway, basically, I understand. I came from that time and I know what it's like to define yourself by the music you listen to. And it's like, I can't like that anymore because that's what the jocks listen to. And Kurt Cobain is sad because jocks like his music or you know whatever. But, uh, but it's also all kind of laughable now that I'm older. It's like, who cares? Can you very briefly, and Chris, I want to thank you so much for your time. This, this has been awesome. Uh, You're great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's a great story. You told it on your, uh, your solo show that, that I saw about, uh, Scott Pilgrim. And I think it's such an interesting story. Okay. And I've, we spent a lot of time talking about Stone Temple Pilots, so we don't have a ton of time left. But if you could give me like the Reader's <laughs> Digest version of it, I think it's it's so fascinating because I really love that movie, and yeah. you had a huge part in like the music, the actual music that these actors were. Uh, right. <laughs> meant to so play. I had no, I had no part in the music. The music was made by Broken Social Scene and Beck and Metric. Right. And uh, the presentation of got, the music, I mean to say. Sorry. It's, well, I was I was called in to try to help make the non-musician actors look like they could play, and I had what I call varying degrees of success. Some of the some of the actors were determined to do a good job. Allison Pill worked her ass off to make it look like she could play drums, and she had never picked up a drums. Uh, Mark Weber, who had never picked up a guitar and was the guitar player in the main band did not try very hard and was always like after a take he'd look over at me like winking like i did it and i'd be like dude you suck you're like you were like <laughs> you really didn't <laughs> but so edgar wright edgar wright the director uh asked me if i if it bothered me when bands looked like they couldn't play in the movies and i said yes so he gave me this job it was a lot of fun Michael Sarah is hilarious. I didn't get to work with him that much because he he, he already knew how to play, he but I was on set a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he could play, yeah. But I was kind of babysitting these actors and and uh and make but there were some actors like Edgar was really into make Edgar Wright that was really into making it was based on a graphic novel and he really wanted the actors to look like these cartoons. So he was like there was some guy in the band that had no lines in some other band and I had to teach him to play guitar from scratch. I'm like, I can't spend any time with this guy. He has no lines. Like 
right. get a different guy who plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a bass player. As if there's nobody that can act that plays guitar in this world, right? That's, that's what he... He didn't even need to act. He just needed to just play just, bass. Just stand there. Just stand there and play, and dude. And it look like the cartoon and play bass. Anyway, I got that guy fired. And that guy, Nigel Godrich, <laughs> is a buddy of Edgar's, and he saw some of the footage of them rehearsing after Edgar saw it and loved it because Edgar doesn't know what it, what it looks like to be playing it wrong. And and I, I met Nigel and he's like, yeah, I saw the footage, it looks terrible. And I'm like, <laughs> well, where was I at casting? Like these people yeah. don't, they're not players. Yeah, they, they, it's they, these are non-musicians trying to play music, yeah. That's what, that's what he does in the movie, but he doesn't play like, anyway, so he ended up getting people fired and I felt terrible. But uh, it was super fun to be on that movie. And everybody, I was being, it was being talked about like I was the musical director of the movie or something. So everybody was contacting me to get their music in the movie. <laughs> and I was like, how do I get my music in the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if I figure it out, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, but I think there are a couple of like Sloan t-shirts and Sloan, Brian Lee O'Malley, who drew Scott Pilgrim, the graphic novel, he had lived in Halifax for a while where we grew up and he knew Sloan and and liked us enough and, and a lot of this kind of like indie rock that came out of that town. There was a band called Plum Tree that had a song called Scott Pilgrim and the whole thing is based on that. Uh, anyway, that was a super fun experience. Uh, and during that uh, experience, I got hit by a car on my bike and broke my collarbone. So I had to, I didn't get to finish that job, but, uh, uh, but I was not brain damaged, killed, uh, paralyzed or disfigured so and you got some tunes okay. out of it there was the that that ep right yeah we have a yeah we put out an, our next uh thing after that was an ep called hit and run because the driver took off yeah <laughs> from, from the planet of the ape school of naming things it's, it's exactly <laughs> what you think of in the title <laughs> right, right. Very good. i don't know that joke but that's good i, I don't know if it's a joke it's just a thing I, that i say so but, but it's, it's but you know what I'm talking about. Snakes, snakes on a plane. It's snakes on a plane. Snakes on the plane is from the Planet of the Apes yeah. School of Naming Things. Yeah. It's the the, right. the title. You know everything you need to know when you hear the title. Right. Okay. Uh, so, Chris, yeah, thank you so much. This has been awesome, man. Uh, I really appreciate having you on, talking to you. This has been great. Hey, you had Albini on a bunch of times. I'll come back. I got more to say. <laughs> I was going to say I, I, I would love to have you back sometime. Uh, you, you've heard the show, generally speaking, if it's not a special or something, I, I usually close it by just asking a single question, which is just, why do you do what you do? Um, because I was given an opportunity um, at a time when the music business was came looking for things other than the worst kinds of music, and I was given an opportunity to do something with my life, and I made it, I made it so that my opportunity could last if we kept working and that everybody would stay interested. And that's what I just had my head down doing it for, for 30 years. And I'm beyond grateful to be able to do it. And I'm, I have a modest living. I'm not rich, but, uh, but I've made a living and I'm super lucky and I'm, I'm not going to let go of this, uh, opportunity I got 30 years ago. Very good. And, you, and you've got some more of these solo shows coming up. People should go to your Instagram, Sloan dude. Right. And yeah, Sloan dude, Instagram. That. I got playing some, but I'm uh, just a warning that I'm playing uh, all different shows, so it gets pretty some deep cuts on there. So <laughs> if you only know a couple of Sloan songs, you might be like, "What the hell is this shit?" But I, I think there are some people who are who are Sloan lifers who are 
who are loving it. So. I mean, I, I've got a pretty good understanding of the catalog, and you played a bunch of stuff. I'm like, I hadn't heard of this stuff before, but it was cool. It was yeah, all really the, cool, and yeah. I, I enjoyed it. And like, and I likened it to seeing Tom Petty do the same thing. Uh, I don't know if you're a Tom Petty fan, but like, I saw it. And you know, I'm not. But we'll talk about it next time. Okay. All right. Well, th- <laughs> not a big deal. But it was it was a similar situation where like a lot of stuff you pulled out. I'm like, I hadn't heard of this before. You know, like what what the hell is this? You know. But like, it was it was interesting as an overall vibe and an overall thing. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a harsh critic of these of the solo show. By the way, yeah, and I don't like them. I never wanted to do them. That's why I haven't done them till now. Right. It's like I like bands. I don't care about you. I don't care about your song. <laughs> anyway, so it's so it's sort of against my own thing that I'm doing it, but it's sort of out of necessity, and it's something I kind of always secretly wanted to do. So it's super fun, and I just why why while I can't just I can't expand on my Tom Petty thing. I have nothing against him. If anybody's like, what Tom Petty is the greatest nicest guy, he is so. So we'll talk. If you ever talk to me again, I'll expand on how we'll, I don't we'll, like Americana. We'll, we'll save it. We'll save it for next time. And, and I, I look right forward on. to that day. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate right it. Right on. Bye. There he goes, uh, Mr. Chris Murphy. All right, down to it. Yeah.
Trump's Lies, the song I completely forgot to talk about, uh, that those guys, Sloan, Sloan, by the way, that is that uh, Sloan that is playing that tune, fucking awesome single, completely forgot to talk about that, 100% forgot to talk about that, dumb, 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 and before that, of course, she says what she means, one of the finest first songs on a record ever yeah sure also by Sloan that's on Navy Blues what a fucking cool guy pardon my goddamn French but what a cool guy that was rad I hope you guys enjoyed that Chris Murphy Chris Murphy Sloan Sloan dude on Instagram Uh, what a what a uh what incredible musical life that guy's had. I'd, I'd love to have him on again sometime. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah. 
The name of the show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. This is my farewell transmission. This show airs on Radio Nope. Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Anyone within the sound of my voice. Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal to hear the episodes quicker. One dollar a month will get you there. I've got VIP access. 50,000 watts of power. You can Makai tomorrow. Uh, or, or next episode, however you're listening to this. I wanna ionize the air. It's awesome. Feeling pretty good about stuff right now. Hope you are too. Hope you're hanging in there. Thanks for sharing the show around. Always appreciate it. Always appreciate you. Into electricity. For listening. For caring. Can you hear me now? Out on... Stay safe out there. Dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Take it easy. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the... It's the end of radio! The last announcer plays the last record! The last what? Leaves the transmitter! Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now?
is it really broadcasting if there's no one there to receive? Emergency! 